Hello and welcome to Founders Unplugged. I am your host, Greg McCallum, also known as the Pay As You Scale Commercial Advisor. Before we start, just wanted to let you know all these conversations are completely voluntary by the founders who are involved. So please give them some love. They're, they're very busy individuals and they're taking up to two hours out of their day to come and sit and chat with me about themselves, about their businesses and about all other kinds of stuff. Look in the uh, description uh, on whatever platform you're watching this and you will find links to them for their LinkedIn profiles and also the projects and the startups they're working on. So do go and check those out. And while you're at it, maybe give me a bit of love too. Um, I do this as something on the side to my main business. I run a company called ThinkWork. Um, and so if you're looking for any advice, I also do free uh, commercial advice um, for those for up to one hour. That job allows me to do this. Thank you so much. Uh, enjoy the episode. Please do um, show love and appreciation for them. And of course, for this episode, if you enjoy it, like it, subscribe, share. Without further ado, I've talked long enough. Enjoy the episode. Thank you. Bye-bye. Founders Unplugged, hosted by Greg McCallum. Hello, sir. Hey, how are we doing? Yeah, I'm cool. How are you? Uh, um, yeah, uh, very slightly busy. Uh, again, <laughs> I, I I do apologise. I, I I got back from the states, and I think this was going to happen a couple of like literally right after I got back from America. Yeah. Um, I I'd severe jet lag, um, and so I kept waking up trying to do work, kind of napping, doing work for three four days, and I must have missed it. Uh, so we apologize no problem, but... no problem. I, knew, I knew you were sort of flying here there and everywhere at the time so, so how was it over there anyway uh, it was i mean so it was a business trip but it mm. was on the beach in florida so like There's you know worst business trips <laughs> yeah yeah exactly but it was proper swampland i mean um it was really weird like we was doing this one interview uh they're like evening function i'm outside and uh it's really tropical and yeah. um i get this like microphone they're like you know how to find it and um as i start talking i'm smiling it's a little bit of rain and a little bit of wind within two minutes the torrential rain winds like blowing and i'm like we love it here like it was proper um <laughs> it was it was incredible um but it was really good to meet the the fund in person yeah. um they were re really fun really cool people super right. intelligent i mean there's about 200 people at the conference and the average age was about 17 18. Right. um one of them, um, so one girl who I met on the, the Sunday morning, she was 16, going to pitch for, for a grant. Um, and it was on how oh. to make um, an app to do bio, like bio recording uh, for athletes to be able to track stress, burnout, um, how to optimize um, like their performance. They're 16. 16, um, So these were, this was the kind of people who were there. Yeah. Um, so it was, it was, you know, there was a lot of intellect, a lot of innovation and, um, and their whole thesis is we back dropouts who didn't go to university who just have this, I want to build this. And everyone thinks that you are like fucking nuts. Yeah. Um, but you know, we, we, we backed that. And, um, actually in his, in his book, Pay Out of Fire, the, the GP, he mentioned how, um, they've now outreturned MIT's own fund, uh, which is E14, I think. Really? Um, so they might obviously only back their their graduates. Mm. I think it's seventeen back dropouts and um, you who didn't go to university, and they've yeah. outreturned one of the top universities in the world. Um, what so, does that say about university? <laughs> well, so so this is it, right? Um, yeah. So yeah, going there it was really fun. Um, met this one guy called Chris, head of ops, at like some uh, like a space tech company. We want to put factories in space, which happened in like the next like couple of years, mm. uh, like space stations. In like we're really close to that point, yeah. and. Um, 
so he was saying how like he, he wears like a suit in the office um but he's a texan I said, you know when i when i come out of the office i mean my, my tank top my my camera trousers my boots and um we, we had the, we both had the idea about on the saturday we both had the the genius idea to scout out the nearest irish pub on the friday i right. uh, didn't even see each other there i was like there's an irish pub here i was like yeah i know i went there yesterday to go check it out to see where i'm going to be you know most of most of my time in the evenings uh, so we got we got on really well um they're just awesome people that's yeah. great yeah it's insane how young some of these these entrepreneurs are coming up um we, we we need to do an intro. So, <laughs> in case you haven't realised, I've already started record. This is the how it goes, right? It's just like yeah. two hours. Um, so, but I, there is some semblance of structure to this, uh, and and the only thing it, that is that is that I ask my guests to introduce themselves and their business. That's it. So then we can get back to talking about what we're talking about. So, um, okay. so yeah, why don't you go ahead and introduce yourself and 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 the business? Um, yes, yeah, so I'm I'm Ewan Moran, the the founder of Barback. Um, I was at university in Exeter. Um, I wanted to, they wanted to take money from the World Bank, mum and dad, and I'm autistic. So I thought if we're going to bartending, I'll learn how to talk and communicate. And now I don't stop talking. So, you know, mission accomplished on, on that front. Um, but but after three months of my of my first job, I was at the bar, the head bartender, manager, insult trainer, because I was the only person left. Because I went to have a team of 16, and it was just saying, so, you're doing 21 days on the trot, you know, 16 hours a day, not allowed to have any lunch because you're too busy. Um, you're passing out, you're throwing up. And it was a really, really rough environment. It's for your first job as well. Uh, while also being a university student, like, there was no study that was done during this time. And you were guilt-tripped, you made to feel bad. You were You were really exploited. And I realized that a lot of my, my fellow comrades in other bars and restaurants um, also had this problem, but not just the workers, also managers, where their staff just walk out in one go, maybe because the manager could have treated people a little bit better, uh, but then they have to do those 70, 80, 90 hours a week, and they have to go behind the bar and do the floors, which is, it's no easy task. Um, so I thought, well, okay, this should be this way, let's change it. Um, and so then, yeah, I created a bar back to, to be, you know the labor infrastructure of um hospitality and then and then beyond um the idea is we we don't take i mean we don't take commission for one um to the commission you know I'll, if i want to hire you put you into a bar i'm going to charge that bar 30 percent commission and 20 percent tax on top of that commission um you can't afford to pay that commission so you've got to pay a lower wage they can't afford to live on that wage the only person who wins in that scenario is the recruiter and i just don't think that should be the case i don't think just freelancing and the, the the gig economy is the way forward that you get no no value from it and the idea was okay well if you do freelance shifts in a bar um how can we metric that to, to build your career um because then every shift you're doing is actually working towards a proper you know a proper cv a proper resume uh, which which details all your experiences um you can verify that as well. So you know, when I'd have someone upload a CV into the bar, um, you know, I'd look at the CV and say, oh, I'm never hungover. I work really hard. I'm really passionate. I look at the guy I've hired and I'm like, this isn't you. Like, <laughs> you know, and, and, and this was a huge problem. And, and recruitment fraud in the UK costs companies like 30 billion pounds a year um, in, in fraudulent applications. Um, you can get some people photoshopping their degrees. They haven't got a degree, they'll photoshop one and send it off to like, like a bank for an internship. Yeah. And obviously most don't get through, but some do get through the cracks. Mm. And even then you've got people spending time reviewing the CV, scheduling interviews and everything before the DD is done. So it costs a lot of money and I was like, okay, how do we just like solve this um, for the betterment of, of, I mean, we're going to take our, our fair share, but then also for workers and for employers and for society as a whole. Mm -hmm. And that was the whole idea. And how did you solve it? 
because that this is the really interesting bit like it, it's actually how you've solved that without like you said doing what yep. what you didn't want to do so so yeah can you explain that Right, yeah, so before but i'm sure you and you've also spent probably an entire how, how long were you in the states for so like a week two weeks it was basically yeah basically like a week yeah so you probably spent a whole week explaining this multiple times so i apologize but <laughs> yeah it was it was fun because you know i had a british accent they're american so they're just like looking at you like oh my god yeah, you can um, literally say anything and they just be like oh <laughs> yeah but it was really really fun over there um i'm sure we'll talk about shortly um yes yeah, so we had a, a, a freelancing component where you, you really need to get staff really quick and you need them you know uh, ad hoc cash uh, we can place it we can place it based on where do you want to work um so for example um i love sports bars but i i like to be on the the, the customer side of the of the bar um i don't like to work in a sports where you've got loads of fans sometimes hooligans because football is huge in the uk and i'm not a football fan um um, so, but, you know, but, but some people, you know, if you're like a six foot two rugby player, you know, and you're working part time in a bar, you've got all your sports fans here, you've got big screens, you're just pulling pints and maybe you like that environment. Um, but you know, put me in a Latin American cocktail bar, but a floral shirt, braces, I'm making cocktails, Latin music. Um, I can work 16 hours a day and I'm happy about mm -hmm. it. Um, so it, it was about how do we place people where you're going to enjoy yourself and then you're going to work a lot harder. Um, and then we can we can obviously do a lot of stuff with our technology to be able to then find the right place full time for you. It's a bit like dating. So, you know, you go on dates mm -hmm. and you try and find someone who's suitable and then you, you kind of settle down, supposedly. Um, and that was kind of the idea we had. So it was, it was basically reallocating labor. And when we do this, we, we've got a shortfall in hospitality by around like 20,000 workers. Um, but which we just don't have. Um, and everyone says, well, you know, we can't get this back because of Brexit, because it's not, it's a Western hemispherical issue. Every country is dealing with this problem. Um, but if we get somebody from, from where they're working moderately well to a place where they will work exceedingly well, we can keep doing this. We can then reallocate labor in the entire industry to a more player efficient manner. And then you've optimized the industry. Um, so, and, and so you've got a smaller team who are more passionate, um, and more hard at working because they like their, their environment, they like who they're working with, they like, like everything that you can have a smaller team and achieve the same results in terms of how much are you selling, how much are you taking behind the bar. Um, so it's basically just making use of what we've got, making lemonade out of lemons. It's mm. literally kind of <laughs> one of our central theses. Um, and then also offering a, a, a benefits package. I mean, a lot of these, um, companies in, in the gig economy they don't really offer much apart from we'll give you you know uh, a, a couple of jobs a day or whatever um so we thought okay we'll offer some like therapy counseling um grocery discounts like virtual gps we're working on more and more affiliates um and an industry discount card which as an employee i also get access to um nice. but then I'll, I'll also i'll also be behind the bar though i, I did i've put this to, to investors and to advisors mm. uh like you know once a month i do commit to doing a shift behind the bar on the platform um, oh, really? oh, okay well i mean why not you've got the access there i mean yeah 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 just just go and do a shift just go behind the bar yeah and then you, you try and get your reviews and then the manager gives you like a one star and it's like Maybe I should be the CEO of the company then. Uh, yeah, stick, yeah. yeah. It, it's funny because for the job. It's funny because I do miss it as well. Because remember, I, I told you that that's that's yeah. that's that was my original. Well, I say that actually. I, I was a chef first, and I trained to be a chef first. But then as soon as I hit eighteen, I was like, right, I can pour a pint, so I'm going to pour a pint. Um, and yeah, did that for many years into my into my mid twenties, and then built my actual my first company around that, around consulting in in that in that industry yeah. and hospitality. But I do occasionally miss. The, the the buzz i'm like you though i prefer 
the Latin American cocktail experience, you know, that kind of place. That's my ideal yeah. place, you know, compared to the rowdy, slightly like you're smelling the air of danger in the air at every moment. Like you get this yeah. sixth sense for danger as a bar person as well. Like, do you find that where, you know, you can, you, you can, you can be anywhere now probably, and you can just feel it in the air. You know, like, something's going to kick off yeah. and then it does. Like it's incredible. Even, I, I mean, I think that's a testament to, to the British drinking culture because yeah. um, <laughs> yeah. it's everywhere. Right. I mean, you know, when you've got like the French and you've got the Russians and Ukrainians all telling you that we drink too much. I mean, if, if the French, Ukrainians and the Russians are telling you that you can take that to the damn bank. <laughs> yeah. um, you know, even as a Scotsman, you know, like I've, I've mainly Scottish family and um, you know, I'm in London and people drink like a fish. I'm just yeah. like, Jesus Christ. Yeah. Um, you know, I'm, I can fit right in here, um, but it's a bit too much even for me. Um, but I don't, it's just, um, but you're right. And, and you know, when, when everyone's doing that, no matter what kind of venue you go to, there is always that, that room for danger. Mm. Um, if someone has a, a few too many shots or you look at someone the wrong way, sometimes they've had a few too many, they, they start getting a bit of Dutch courage. Um, and we have to look all, out for All this their team early. loses, right? Uh, you know, someone well, says the wrong thing. Well, this know. is why I prefer rugby. Yeah, like, likewise. With, with, with football, I mean, if you look at like Sheffield Wednesday, there's a guy in um, K that I was speaking to, um, was well, like a bank or something. It was like Sheffield Wednesday, where he comes from, the average one death per game. Like, like, like it's just... Oh, that you know, should not like, be a statistic. It's like, like oh, you're blue and I'm red, and therefore yeah. like, oh, in rugby, every, all of the fans are mixed in the in the stands. It's fantastic. Well, this is well, well, this is it. Yeah. Then afterwards, you know, you might have a bit of banter, but you are still drinking yeah. in arms. Um, so, so yeah, I, I saw that difference quite early on. Um, you know, I've been to a couple of football games because um, I do support Liverpool. You know, I, I follow mm. them. Um, our whole family has, and it's just a, a thing. I go to their charity matches because. Yeah, you know, that's, that's a bit more fun. It is, you know, yeah, a bit more friendly. Yeah, yeah. Um, but I always support the the LFC charity. Um, but just totally different environment, and that's mm. why football nights at sports bar I just couldn't do because I can't hold my tongue. Mm. Um, I, I just I just can't go. But the, the Latin American cocktail bars, like you don't really get that. Yeah. Um, and we only had it once when I was a bar manager. Uh, that was literally because some guy outside who was either drunk or homeless uh, started trying to trying to have a fight yeah um and then it's usually it's usually people who aren't really in that sort of into yeah that scene who then, like get in into it for whatever reason like by accident they don't really know what's going on and then they're, yeah. they're usually the problem it was the same with like because i worked a lot of live music venues and i loved working live music venues um that was my thing for quite a while um and uh yeah you would find the same thing like if it was like a hip-hop night you get someone who wasn't clearly interested in hip-hop showing up and they didn't understand and that'd be the problem or like you know uh yeah. metal night and you know a bunch of people walk in and went into it because they didn't know what they were doing you know that kind of thing and that was usually a problem um but yeah it's i mean we, we literally had um so on the on the scene up we had these two guys um come in and um and they, they could barely speak english they just wanted a drink they were just like it was a tuesday night i think it was they were literally just trying to find a drink mm. um and it was like we stopped serving and my assistant manager i mean she's like a five foot nothing um and you, there's two guys in like tracksuit bottoms tracksuit tops and i'm like so I'm, just, I'm just stood behind her just like just 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 you know to help like you know if you if you do swing you're gonna you, you know, fuck around mm. find out um yeah. which you're not allowed to do actually in our employer handbook you know, if there's physical violence you have to remove yourself i'm like mm. yeah but these guys are pretty these big. days these days back I, in my day though mate we were we were door staff we were bar staff we were everything like you know well, it was crazy <laughs> it was the wild west like <laughs> it's it, it's i i, I kind of like that i mean 
Yeah, I mean, there's one bar, the the, the Monkey Suit uh, in Exeter, really, really good bar. Yeah. Uh, like the others and, and and the whole team, their team have been there for like their core team have been there for about you know, three, four, five years, which mm. doesn't really happen. Um, you know, and yeah, they had um, they had Mother's Day where they closed like Mother's Day and Father's Day, mm. um, and Mark said. I haven't got to be open for it. So, you know, the team could just get to spend the day with their at the yeah. Mother's Day, Father's Day. Every couple of months, they'll go paddle boarding down the beach and stuff. And he just like puts one in his car, ships them down, they just go up. And, and this is, it doesn't cost much. I mean, to take a mm-hmm. paddle boarding on a Sunday requires like 20 quid in fuel. Yeah. yeah. And that's it. Maybe, maybe an ice cream. Yeah. And, and that's what you've got to do. It's interesting because that that directly ties into the problem you're trying to solve, which is this labour market, you know, crisis within. Because it, it is a it is an uh, an industry which is neglected, like in terms of the, the people perception of people who work in hospitality and in nightlife yeah. as not being a, a real career, and that's absolute nonsense. Like there's there's so many people. Like it was my career, and I took it very seriously, and I met a lot of other people and worked with a lot of other people who were the same. Um, but there's, it, it's almost like it, there's a couple of layers to it. There are a lot of people who join because it's just something to do to earn a bit, you know, a bit of money. And they don't take it seriously. Yeah. But there is a very large majority of people actually who are very serious about this career, especially when it comes to sort of the mixology side of things, um, you know, and, and that sort of area. And, and of course, in, in the management side of things. And it's very difficult to find organizations that um, actually treat their employees well in that, in that industry. Is... Or at least it used to be. I think it's getting better, but it's, it seems to be taking well, it... time. It was, and and then the boner happened, um, mm. and then shit went backwards. Um, yeah, and, yeah. and now, obviously, with you know, cost of living crisis, recession, potentially double dip recession coming around the corner, um, you know, we, we've got a bucket for the next four to five years. Um, mm. And so now people aren't spending on vocational stuff like this. Um, <clears throat> but what should I mean? So, little story. Um, so you have Turtle Bay and Las Iguanas, opposite sides of the road. I started here and ended here. I went all around the city you know, with my, my jobs and everything, but I ended up right opposite the road. It, it, it's, just, it's, it's literally a, a fucking story. Yeah. Um, and Turtle Bay, you were paid minimum wage at £7.50. Um, you're using like Glenn's Vodka and Glenn's Rum and Christoph's Gin. You can't even buy this stuff in Tesco. It's literally yeah, yeah. wholesale. Um, I actually remember some woman came up to me saying, are you sure it's just serving your Blanc? It tastes more like a Pinot Grigio. And in my head, I was like, whatever it is, it's three pound a bottle wholesale. Not either. Like, it's, <laughs> it's, it's, yeah. it's, it's, it's cooking, uh, cooking wine <laughs> from a garden. Yeah. <laughs> you know, like whatever it is, it's, it's frequent wholesale. You can't even get this in like, you know, like a, a discount. So a pound man would sell it. Yeah. Um, yeah. And I was like, okay, cool. Yeah, sure. You know your wine. Um, <laughs> but that's really where we was treated really shit you know, really long hours you're allowed to have lunch um if you're busy that's it no, no lunch for you today so we'd go upstairs to um the stable and get two bottles bottles of 8.4 percent proof cider neck one put one in a coffee cup and that's our lunch mm. you could, so this was a mentality and, and the, this is what the whole team did um there was no benefits at all um if you wanted to get tips behind the till um you weren't allowed to take it as a drink and then take up the cash uh, you had to get tips to drink you had to take that drink and if you were closing down the bar, you had to leave the bar straight after closing. So you wouldn't mm. have to have the drink. So they were trafficking um, like money through through this policy, right? This was an actual proper problem. Mm. Um, but Las Iguanas, every month, every single bartender had to design a cocktail. Um, and if that got mm. onto their like four drink hot list that month, um, you just give them, like, I think, half of, like 500 pounds in a bonus. Mm. Uh, and if that got onto the actual menu, you were flown out to Sweden with absolute, you'd have two weeks holiday uh, with a credit card. You go to their distillery um, and you get like, I think it was a one or two thousand pound bonus and two weeks of absolute and you've got a holiday free. It doesn't count towards your holiday days either. Yeah, and that amazing. was just, and that's just like, you know, a, a high street 
you know, venue, let alone the actual mm. proper uh, mixology venues. So, and and the story behind this is, um, so Lazaguanas and Tula Bay, the, the founders were actually all three together at one point. Um, and then one left to make Tula Bay and the two left to make Lazaguanas. Right. And you can kind of see the, the, the resentment from Tula Bay and then Lazaguanas in my my experience uh one was made you know let's do it the cheapest possible let's undercut them and stuff and then as a well, like, yeah. but hey no we actually care about you know our customers and care about what we produce um so i think it's about the mentality of finding the right managers the right business mm-hmm. owners and the right workers and if, if they are put together you can really make something special yeah so um yeah but it's just like with any career though isn't it you've got to start sometimes at the bottom and uh yeah you don't get to that until a bit later on as long as you can you you know power through the the ship the sh- shifts <laughs> to get to the good ones, right? Yeah, <laughs> the yeah. it's funny. I always think back to a, a cocktail bar back home um, in Oxford. I don't know if it's still there. It was called Raoul's. Very awesome place. Very small. It was like, um, it was, I think it was like a converted flat or something. It was really quite crammed. But you, I mean, the, the only downside to the place was you'd be waiting half an hour for someone to make your cocktail, right? Because they were that, um, you know, detail oriented around their cocktails. But they, they were all mixologists. They were all salaried you know, very well paid. Um, they would frequently all be flown out to yep. source different ingredients and to learn about the ingredients. They'd go to the distilleries. They would spend the time with the, you know, if they would all have their own specializations. So one bar person, you know, one uh, bartender would be a specialist in rum, another would be in whiskey and so on. And, you know, people would be headhunted to work there. Like you you wouldn't be able to apply, yep. like, you you know. Um, you know, that's the kind of thing I think of as like, you know, pe- people consider that as being the goal you know in their career yeah. as a bar person to work somewhere like that and and you know locally it was known as the place where you know you would strive to work in like that's that's we need more of that you know and some people would say it's, that's quite pretentious but at least they looked after their employees and it, well, was, no, it's, it was considered it's, a, a real career you know it's not even pretentious that's saying like you know, you're going to start up as a paralegal at pwc but you want to end up you know being at like you know, your own like prestigious law firm i mean that's just right. that's just you want to get to the top of your game and that is the top of the field like you, you get some bartenders in a like in a savoy uh over in what's it by like strand mm. um and they're on a lot of money they're more yeah. money than you know mid-level managers at like amazon or something um mm. you you it, it, you can actually get a really good job after this and even if you don't go down the specialist um it's not just or, or chefing route um you also have the managerial route which mm. you, you think people can manage you can become there, there's a lot of you know, it, it's seen as a stepping stone just to make some money while at university, but there really is an entire, I mean, you could want to be like an accountant, you go bartending while you're at university, you can then go into corporate and become an accountant in that place where you've worked, and you know the ropes already, so it's making your job a lot easier. Um, yeah. Instead, we have this culture of, you know, the big four are where you want to be, the, the huge banks where you want to be, where you're working 90 hours a week, um, and you're barely surviving, and you're going to be lonely, and we, we glorify that, mm. um, which is, it's, yeah, I know that's a whole other subject, but um, and yeah, the and just really the experience, right, of working in a in a bar, like you saying about how you know you did it as a, almost a way of becoming more sociable, and like I think I mentioned this to you before, but like, and you've probably seen this too, but the amount of times I've seen very shy, meek people like apply for the job, and I'm like, yeah, yeah, we'll we'll break you, <laughs> like you yes. know what I mean, and like within weeks they're completely different, they've come out of themselves, they're more confident, they can speak with people, and it's it's transformative, like because yeah. you know you're you're thrown in the deep end of social interaction um and and it's really great for, for building people's confidence and, and you know getting them out there and it literally it is one of the industries where it really doesn't matter where you are so like in finance if you're a woman going into finance i mean yeah like you're, you're going to be judged and you're going to be um 
yeah, you're going to be judged and, and people are going to you know, have like, like their, their thoughts about you because you're a woman in finance. Mm. In hospitality, and at least I've got students who tell me this, uh, but hospitality, we had, we had uh, one girl who joined at Turtle Bay. Again, a little bit shy, a little bit, you know, like uh, passive. Uh, within about three months, like she was literally bossing us around. Um, you know, actually mm. like, like bossing us around, like, like organizing everything. And we'd actually give her control of the bar on a Friday or Saturday because she could actually manage it. Um, yeah. And it's just just to see that transformation. It's just if we you all just fit in, um, mm. like, and you do get some incredible moments. Like I've got one where um, we were literally four deep. It's me and the manager who I didn't like. He was, I mean, he was like again like five foot nothing. He had little man syndrome. Um, but I just, this is this is how the cookie sounds like describing me. <laughs> <laughs> that was me. I was but, that manager but, back in. But, 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 but he was also like 21, 22 years old, recent graduate. Yeah. So he had he had a lot to prove as well. Right. right. Um, but but you know this one point you know, we're four of us and we're back to back with our cocktails like looking like like these hordes of customers we're just back to back just like Jesus yeah. I'll take this you take that and it was just it was burning to my brain like like that moment it was so just like incredible yeah um, even it's when, it's when like everything's working, working in perfect harmony like you know it's like a dance and everyone's just on it and and there's no yeah. you know no one's bumping into each other no one's dropping anything you know what I mean it's just and it's running like a dream and before you know it it's the end of the night and you're cleaning down you're like how the fuck did we do that that was amazing yeah. like there's something very satisfying about that that buzz that you get of just bossing yeah. you know <laughs> it's just yeah i know and you get to do what you what you know, you're thinking on your feet as well which is yeah. it's also really really rewarding rather than you have to be sat down and, and i think we're just kind of telling everyone listening like dude go work in a bar for like 100 even if you're if you're working like full-time somewhere and you want to do an occasional like just night like because you yeah. don't socialize a lot enough you don't like meet enough new people go and do it like <laughs> you know, that's where i could help yeah exactly there you go go to bar back yeah yeah and and you know i actually forgot to do something while you're talking what i normally do is i share my screen and show your profile on the website as you're talking but i was so engrossed by what you were saying i forgot to do it um but yeah yeah i mean yeah we could anyone who wants to 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 find a shift or find work this is where you go um yeah sorry i forgot to do that but um yeah i i do i do there are times i miss it but of course there are you know there are some negatives around it too right which is that you know rocking in at five in the morning um yep. <laughs> and and uh, drinking too much uh as well that's a very easy thing to do um and maybe some other stuff as well although, although uh, the, the, the drinking thing i, I watched a, a film last week uh, it was about some like chess match in like the cold war uh so like the usa like the ussr they had like a chess match in like i think it was like uh warsaw in, in warsaw in poland um and this Russian colonel, he he says, never underestimate a man who can drink you under the table. Mm. And um, and I was like, this is true actually. Yeah. Everyone can say, oh, you're drinking too much, but then you know, if he's drinking with you, and then you end up, you know, spilling your deepest, darkest secrets. Never underestimate that man. Yeah, yeah. Um, but but I mean, I lost about a good you know twenty twenty five kilos when I was in hospitality at like, the, the thick of it. Um, it. It there is that other side to it, which you know when. It's poorly managed. You got no staff, and again, that's what we're trying to solve. Yeah, you know, check back in the industry in two years' time, and you know we should have made a, a pretty big impact at that point. It's funny, um, actually. There are a lot of parallels between um, the sort of alcohol-led side of hospitality and the sales um, industry, in, in, in the sense that there's very similar problems of burnout, 
of um, quite a lot of reports of poor management, you know, being overworked, uh, drug abuse, yeah. alcohol abuse, you know, things like that. There's there's quite a lot of that in, in the, the parallel. And I'm sure there are other industries where there's some parallels too. But seeing as how I've been in both, I, I can yeah. very much directly see them. And it's, it's yeah, yeah, it's quite boring. And it takes a certain level of experience and maturity and also just sort of luck, I think, maybe in, in finding the right places to work with, the right people to work for. It's an numbers um, game. Yeah, it is. It very much is. And, and you know, a certain amount, if you really want to be in it, a certain amount of persistence to just, you know, keep keep trying to find that right place, um, which isn't always easy to do. But yeah, and which is why it's great to see that you're you're looking to solve that problem. And, and am I right in thinking, you know, because I remember, I think we touched on this before when we spoke um, a while ago, like, you know, you don't just want to help um, this particular industry, right? There are, there, are there plans to help others? Can you talk about that? Um, I don't know. Yeah. Uh, um, yeah. So <laughs> I don't want to. I don't want to. You know, ruin anything for you. But you know, like, are you able to talk no, on, on any of that? Or yeah, no, no, of course. Um, I, I, I am, I am fucking nuts when it comes to you know, just like, like, like scalability and and, and just sheer impact. Sorry, um, fucking share is just. Oh, sorry. What? So sorry. Just a quick tangent. This fucking chair keeps going down. So throughout the course of the the the, the these podcast episodes, I sort of go down. <laughs> It's really annoying. Sorry, carry on. <laughs> um, so, so we actually use we actually use blockchain uh, to do this. Um, so, our long term play, you know, we we in particular layer one blockchain. Um, and essentially, here, what what our plan is to is to be the, the layer one um, like global uh, infrastructure for labor. So, building a, a global employment blockchain or the GEC, uh, which also stands I for crazy in Afrikaans and and uh, and Dutch. Um, yeah, and so there's a little bit of there's a couple of parallels, um, but building one blockchain where all workers can build and verify their careers, and then you can send it to to an employer, um, and that employer knows who's doing on this proof that everything here is true, that everything that is on this CV is real. Uh, it's actually happened. It's been verified. Um, there's no recruitment fraud, and obviously they can then look at like the the matchability almost as it were, uh, the compatibility of the worker and of the the employer. We can do all that using AI. Um, so we start from hospitality because, well, one, it, you, you're with authors, you know, you write what you know about, um, you know, I know hospitality, but it's also people's uh, first role. It's their first job, um, normally while at university as well. So they'll graduate from university and they may apply to say you know, PwC, for example, um, and we can then send their, their career token over to PwC and on board departments of PwC to start using our platform too. Then we can keep spreading to where, to where they go, um, providing lifetime value for our initial workers uh, because they're building their career from you know, the get-go, um, mm. maximizing lifetime value for them and for obviously us, of course. Um, and then just, and that's how we start to build this global labor infrastructure. Um, the military as well is one that I'm looking at. So um, our, my family, all, you know, my, my uncle was in the veterinary corps um, over in Camp Bastion. Um, my granddad was in the Argyles. Uh, he served under Colonel Mad Mitch. Um, which right. you know, was, with that kind of name, uh, she was over in like Borneo and Aden, um, and stuff like that. I was over in Berlin as well. I guess she met Rudolf Hess, he was like a, a prison guard for uh, Rudolf Hess, and uh, right. so, but he's so he was uh, one of the Reich ministers over in the Nazi Empire, um, mm. and he's the one who flew over to Scotland to try and negotiate peace, uh, back in like 1941 42, I think it was. Okay, um, so he his plane got downed. Um, and he got arrested, taken to MI, I think it was MI6 headquarters, MI9 headquarters. Um, and the USSR said, if you talk to him, we'll declare war on you. Um, they literally said, if you talk to this, to Rudolf Hess, we will declare war. We want, they basically didn't want um, peace. 
Um, the USSR wanted to invade, obviously, what had happened over in Stalingrad and how close it got to the Moscow herself. So they didn't want peace. They wanted to. They wanted Hitler set on the plate, which they ultimately got. Um, so anyway, so he got put in prison in Berlin. Um, so my granddad's there after you know World War II, and this is kind of settled. He got the Berlin Wall and everything. Um, and actually, his his uh, regimental sergeant major said, if the Russians decide to storm us, you know, you've got like half the city was with the Allies, half was uh, the USSR. Mm. Um, I said, if, but it's all in, you know, East Germany, which is all from the USSR. And um, I said, if the Russians decide to storm us, um, they'll take the city in 16 minutes, but you'll sell your lives as dearly as possible. And that's <laughs> what they were told. They were told, if the Russians decide to march forward, you can last 16 minutes before the whole city falls. Jeez. But you'll sell your lives as dearly as possible, and that's what they were told going into this. Um, so anyway, so so he was um, part of me was guarding the the prison where Rudolf S was, and um, so he's got his own garden. It's one of the stories that he told me, which he just he loved. Um, and he's got like a little like walnut tree in in the garden. Apparently, people walk along the top of like the the prison, and he'd get little walnuts and just start like, lobbing them at the prison at the, the prison guards, at the soldiers. And they can't they can't do anything. Like, <laughs> Um, it's not like a water hose, you just start like hosing down like the, the soldiers on the, the walkway. Um, <laughs> but my granddad, he he, uh, he had a few like, like he had lunch with him just to, you know, like, Jesus Christ, like, what happened? I mean, this is like unfettered information to any insight into history here. Mm. Um, but he was like, if you could say one of the moderates, one of the ones who didn't want to really go that way. Um, mm. Obviously, Hitler was an absolute psychopath and a madman. Um, but yeah, so that was, that's basically why I yeah, I don't know how we got onto Germany. Um, <laughs> it all comes out of it. <laughs> but, um, but yeah, but uh, oh, yeah, about how we said the military. Um, yeah, yeah. And my granddad, you know, do that stuff. Um, so yeah, like that. That so we've got that kind of history with um, you know, like 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 the military kind of side of things. So I know very much what happens with veterans. Um, I got another granddad that I've got was in the Fourth World Tank Regiment, um, and you know sometimes. You know, I've seen with my, my family that the wall applied to the military or got into the military. So in fact, my mom went to apply to Sandhurst uh, and then found out I was, she was pregnant with me. Um, so that was literally right. why she couldn't become an officer. Um, so really strong. We, we know exactly what's wrong with, with veterans, how we can help. Um, and we, with, with that with that play, it's people come at the military and there's no infrastructure to get them into work. We have work programs, we have government programs, but as we know with government programs, you know, they, they don't really work. Mm-hmm. Um, so we can bridge that gap between getting from the military world to the civilian world. Mm-hmm. Um, so if you look at, say, JP Morgan, if you get a veteran um, as like head of operations in a department, that's going to be the tightest run ship imaginable. All the I's dotted, all the T's crossed. Five minutes early is on time for them, right? Mm-hmm. Um, so we can achieve that, um, but there's no infrastructure to do so. So we can ledger their time in the military. Um, then when they leave, we can then find them a role straight away. Because um, I don't know if you know much about... Um, but the circle of life almost where you have like your, your job, your career, your family, your friends, your hobby, your partner. Um, and if you have that, it, it basically, it contradicts uh, addictions. And if you have this whole circle, um, you, you, you basically probably get addicted to anything unless you really try. Um, mm-hmm. Take one of these parts of your life out, then there's a hole which, you know, drugs and alcohol and all that fun stuff can, can replace. Mm-hmm. Um, I'm not a psychologist, but you know, it, it, this is essentially what, what, what yeah. the paper suggests. Yeah. Um, so if they come out the military and they don't get a job straight away, you've taken out a part of their life, a big part of their life, which can now get filled by you know, drinking whiskey at, at, at midday. Yeah. Um, <clears throat> it's a, it's, so it's a very, that, very clearly defined purpose with a very, in, in a, a very regimented and, and, and yeah. 
purposeful sort of way. It's so, a, yeah, a huge, huge culture shock to suddenly remove that from someone's life, isn't it? So, so if we can move them from that that place straight into work, then you're going to mitigate any any damages. Right. It obviously reduces but on the NHS on on the VA in America. The, the VA has been in a crisis since it was formed. Mm. Um, you know, they they've not been able to solve that one. Um, you know, we can stop suicides, mental health problems, all this stuff just by literally putting them into a place of work straight away, and then they can start dealing with their problems. Mm. Um, but if you don't have that place of work, then it's, it's such a shock. It, it, it's a different. When, when, when you look at the military, they are literally their own society. They they mm. have their own laws. They have their own laws. They have their own judicial uh, like, like process. Yeah. Their own judiciary. They have their own courts. They have their own land. They have their own. Like, they're a different society. So you're literally going from like one country to another. Mm. Only one's quite authoritarian. It's chain of command. It's mm. you, know, you do this. You do that. Yes sir. No sir. Three bags full sir. To, to and that's and, and decision making is life or death. And you know bad yeah. bad, bad times equal trauma as opposed to slight inconvenience. It's yeah everything is a. A much more extreme level of in, of emotional intensity, yeah. and yet the culture is more than likely you can't even show that there are those emotions in the first place because that's a distraction from you doing your job. So it's a very contradictory yeah. experience as well. Yeah. So so how does how does blockchain exactly in the way that you've implemented it actually you know work in in the sense of you know is it um, just a case that it's kind of like a, a a ledger of experience, or is it also in some ways gathering, uh, or you're going to gather information on on skill sets, on 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 you know various applicable skills, whether they're soft skills, hard skills. Yeah, of course, um, both. So you know, right. a lot of labeling, um, a lot of metricing here. Um, yeah, I, when you look at it, so but we do it in hospitality. Um, we can attach when when they get a review saying you know, you've got five star in say um, like a team leadership or teamwork right we can then metric that in say a sports bar or in like a fine dining restaurant or in a wine bar so we can gather these labels and how they work um in in, in sync with each other um say when you work at like an, an, in an accounting role at an accounting firm we can then label what was your role um what are the metrics in that role and we can it's just use a lot of metadata they call it meta cvs yeah. uh, right. like metadata all put together um, so then you can filter and you can use AI to basically look at, okay, who's the right person for the job um, and how did they aggregate in a certain place? Like yeah. they may have, like you may have no team working skills um, in your know, accounting, um, like PwC, but if you put you in like a, a small to medium enterprise uh, as a, a chief accounting officer or chief financial officer, sorry, uh, maybe that just goes way up. So we can, we can aggregate mm -hmm. based on what position and what place you're going to end up. And then what does that look like? Mm. um that would be well, so great to be integrated with a platform like linkedin wouldn't it yeah if, well, anyone, if anyone from linkedin is watching or listening then you, they should integrate with this because of like you know it's, it's, it, i mean that that is i think very slowly and for a lot of industries has already replaced the cv and a lot of yeah. people are using that as a sort of a, a, a place of truth compared to the cv and a little bit more well, digestible but of course people can just make shit up on there too right well, this is a problem with with like LinkedIn and and social media as a whole. I mean, I remember when uh, a lot of the media were in uproar about uh, Elon Musk allowing everyone to get a blue badge. Mm. And they said, "Oh no, only only journalists could get a blue badge, or only celebrities." But no, he's basically saying you can verify yourself, mm. um, and then you show that I, I'm a real human. Um, and, and then Zuckerberg did the same thing, and no one went mad at him for that. So I'm just going to put that out there. Um, but <laughs> but to, but to me, it's quite alien that you can have something like like LinkedIn with no verification. Yeah, like, you know, I'm saying I'm a worker. It's it's there for hiring, um, mm. and I just I don't understand how you can sign up, just create an account. Oh, I'm you and Moran, 
Um, and hopefully everyone believes that I am who I say I am. Mm. Um, and it opens yourself up to like four. I mean, somebody could have created an account of somebody else, gotten more, more like follow something and just started spreading libel. Yeah. This is a huge, on, a, on a corporate platform for corporates, this is a huge problem. Um, you don't see much of it, thankfully. I think the LinkedIn team do a really good job of making sure that this stuff happens, but it does still happen. I still get a lot of fraud in my inbox in LinkedIn. Mm. That's yeah, most I, people. I, yeah, I had my account hacked not, uh, not too long ago because of it as well. So, yeah. It, it, but I, yeah, and it's a problem everywhere. Like I, I'm, I'm a huge advocate of a, of the sort of um, digital passport idea of, of like making their creating a sense of a, of actual accountability um, based on your kind of digital citizenship, right? I, I, I quite like that idea, and I know a lot of people see that as quite dystopian, as quite you know authoritarian. Well, it, but actually, I think that it's quite an important step that we should probably take um, in the not too distant future uh <laughs> i mean so it's in and of itself the technology isn't exactly that authoritarian the yeah. issue is when you have to take that digital id with you everywhere you go because then right. you can be yeah. tracked then you can be labeled it's like, it's like the pesco club card um mm. you, if something is free for the product um you know, and, and tesla get all the data exactly what you're buying it's tied to your account they can see what you buy what you like they can then target you um mm-hmm. yeah so if you could do this for all data that you ever collected it's all tied to one id that's just that, that data can be abused yeah um you know and and you know we always say oh you know our government wouldn't abuse us yeah well some of you well, are left some of you are right and whenever the opposite government gets into power you don't like them because they're this and they're that so you know like, like why mm-hmm. can we see consensus that you know like it has the ability to be uh misused um i mean the the, the us they created this um misinformation uh disinformation governance board which then got taken down because it was literally like the ministry of truth in 1984 mm-hmm. um and it was like okay so now the government has sweeping power to just ban anything they deem to be misinformation. Um, well, I mean, if, if you look at um, like uh, like four-generational warfare, psychological operations, um, misinformation has always been used in warfare. Like mm-hmm. you, know, you always use the art of misinformation. It, it's a way to be able to, to distract and to misinform your enemies. Um, so, you know, if, if a government is then overseeing what's misinformation, they're surely gonna be able to allow their misinformation to go through, but nobody else's. Mm-hmm. And whoever's in power can then weaponize that. You know, so Democrats are in power, and the Republicans could go into power and do something similar to their to their end. And so the, the idea is let's just not have it, um, and then no one can use it. Um, yeah. and, and I know it's yeah. just it's 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 but it's the same as anything. I mean, it's like. Stuff. Of course, I mean it's the same as any technological advancement. You know, when it's made for the, the greater good, then of course there is always a risk that it could be abused. Like you know, AI is where we are right now with that sort of same topic on a much um, more well in, in a slightly more philosophical philosophical sense. Um, but then, you know, even to use a very analog example, you know, uh, CCTV, right? Surveillance, yeah. like, you know, it, it, it's a logical thing to say on this street, there have been a huge amount of violent crimes. We now have a technology where we can, you know, be recording. So if anyone, you know, is, is engaged in a, in a, in a violent act, we can prosecute and, you know, it will yeah. be, it will be a, 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 a sort of a preventative measure as well. And lo and behold, you install the cameras, you know, crime drops, there's no stabbings on that road anymore or whatever. Um, but then of course you have situations where governments, uh, you know, private, uh, uh, mischievous individuals, whatever, uh, other countries, like you said, other, you know, um, foreign governments, you know, bad agents or whatever, um, can, can use those systems to monitor when, 
there's no need to yeah. or, or gather information. So it, it's, it, you know, I think that's always a dilemma with every advancement, right? And in yeah. some ways, you could even make that same um, the, the argument about what you're building. Like, I'm sure there's probably ways that, that people, individuals could misuse that or any technology. It's just, it's, it's about finding balance and trying to put the measures in place to to keep that from happening, right? This is this is true. And I had a debate about something like this, um, but existential risk when I was over in, over in Florida. Mm. Um, the, 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 that, that is true. There were always positive negatives to, to anything. Um, but as we keep advancing, those positive negatives keep on getting, they're, they're um, exacerbated. Mm. So CCTV, that's great. But you then, the onus is on being able to identify that person, to find that person. Mm. Um, you then have facial recognition CCTV, where now all of a sudden everything's instantly already ledgered and, and, and stored. And the Met Police in London, they're going to start putting um, facial CCTV in across the whole city um, and that motorists shouldn't expect to have privacy in their vehicle. Okay, China. Um, yeah. <laughs> and that, that was my instant yeah, well, reaction. China is not like, the greatest example of using technology well, to <laughs> keep the people but, but, free. But that's what the Met Police, the Met Police said, but you, you shouldn't expect to have privacy in your own car. I'm like, yeah. um, oh, the Met Police, oh, sorry, I thought you were talking about China. Right, okay. That's you were saying, what I said. Yeah, 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 China. Right, okay, like, yeah, sorry. I was like, Jesus, okay. Yeah, yeah. But like in China, I mean, you have to say, places like Shenzhen, really, really safe. Uh, areas yeah. you get cameras that actually track you and everything you've got loads mm. of cameras uh super police state and and there is an element of safety everyone's safe apart from being safe from the government right. and and this is a problem so when you get to that and the technology constantly being recorded 24 7 constantly mm. surveilled um the ramifications then just become so much greater yeah. um and so you know, what i'm arguing isn't that it, it, it's on you know, should we have the tech or not or should we you know, not use it in our civilian population we use it abroad if you want i mean you know for all of our full of our uh, adversaries overseas sure we can use this technology but at home you know, we, we pose a risk to our population um and like i say the conservatives could institute this stuff but then labor can take over and then you know they, they could put these comments outside sort of party headquarters and find out you know like all these like in this it can be abused and it can be abused to such a larger scale the more and more advanced technology becomes yeah. just like ai yeah yeah we can keep saying we have no, I was just going to say, I suppose in some ways it's kind of like, you know, really everyone on the the, the sort of the edge of, of these kind of technological advancements all, all must have and still will continue to have their own Oppenheimer moment of just like, you know, if I don't do it, someone else more nefarious yeah. will. And it's kind of, you know, I think there's almost a responsibility when you are on the precipice of kind of some kind of discovery or advancement to to be that person to bring it forward if you are. Yeah well-meaning and, and you know at least you believe to be um regardless because of just not doing it because you're worried about the, the potential negative consequences means yeah. nothing someone will especially now like you said touching on ai like it won't be long before it won't be us making these sort of technological advancements anyway i believe you know so it's it, it might as well do it while we have some semblance of control yeah over the, the, the ticking. yeah um but, um but after when Oppenheimer did actually you know Create the bomb. He did. Um, he did say, you know, I am become death, destroy our worlds. So even though he had to make it because somebody else would, he still realised the, the the gravity behind what he'd done. Yeah. Um. Actually, at, in Florida, I met um Essa Dyson, uh, the daughter of um Freeman Dyson, who worked oh, yeah. with like Oppenheimer and, and Einstein. Mm. And um, I was just like, oh my god, like just tell me stuff because he he, yeah. he invented the the theory behind um, be able to escape heat death of the universe, um, and mm. stuff like that, and just like incredible scientists, but. They, they still recognize that what they've done was going to forever change um forever change as well um, and with but ai and li little to no choice in that situation really yeah I, I, and, and i'm actually quite excited about the movie that's that's coming out um soon as well yeah well well so you, you have to watch oppenheimer you know like midday 
um, and then go and get some food, then watch Barbie with like a whole case of beer and, you know, just like... Yeah, just trying to offset it. Yeah, yeah. Although I don't know, man, like, yeah. it could be, there could be some pretty existential stuff in that film too. Like, <laughs> you never yeah. know these Well, days. do you see, do you see it got banned in Vietnam? Because, um, so on Barbie, they've got like a map um, which shows that Taiwan's part of China and oh, part of like, the Vietnam is part of China thing. I mean, see? It's just, Even the Barbie is getting political. You, you can't escape just, it. <laughs> well, I mean, it's true. Even if you look at like F9, like Fast and Furious 9, it was literally owned by the Chinese Department of Propaganda. Um, it's just like, it, it's just, you have to be aware of where things are coming from. And it's just, and again, because then you start, because again, entertainment someone is just also. Someone on my door and I don't, oh. why on earth someone knocked on my door? Excuse me, I will edit this bit out. Excuse me, sorry, one moment. Awesome. Of course, it's an Amazon delivery. My dog normally barks like crazy and, um, it's a right pain in the ass when I'm doing these, but that didn't happen. So that's good. He's learning. Uh, sorry, you were saying. Um, <laughs> yeah, just, just going back to that kind of misinformation and, and abuse of, of tech kind of thing. Even mm. entertainment can also be abused. Yeah. You, you can put stuff into into entertainment, either one way or the other, to try and you know, kind of show like, ideas of stuff. And, um, and, there's, and there's a lot of people out there that are claiming that's, that's, that's been happening for years and still happening now. I mean, you know, especially when you, um, when you look at a lot of movies who seem... To, you know, seemingly have no connection to any political topics, you know, superhero movies, yep. fancy movies, whatever, and now they're getting more and more and more political. Um, well, you know, even things like the remake of, uh, what was it recently, the remake of um, Peter Pan, yeah, as an example, where a lot of people were just like, what on earth is, you know, because apparently, I haven't seen it, but apparently it completely destroyed the main the main points of it um, and, and, and decided to put a lot of sort of very new liberal um yep. uh, uh politics in that movie you know so uh, you know yeah i can definitely see that <laughs> yeah well that, that's well that's that's disney and yeah you know, I, mean, I used to love disney growing up and i've been to disney world and all that kind mm. of stuff but the founder was a nazi yeah right? like he, yeah. he he did like national socialism so that mm. philosophy is going to be but and, and a really controversial point that i'm going to make um you had a, an author called hg wells um they for you know about him and he, he spoke yep. in the oxford union um, and he said, I'm calling on a liberal fascisti. Uh, the communists have the Russia, the Italians are fascists. The world is sick of democracy. I'm calling for the opposite of fascism, which is far, far more um, greater in its ambition and its goals. They're saying, so we're going to create fascism in liberalism and go further than mm -hmm. what Nazism did. And you know, when you look at like, you know, like, like Dizzy, for example, who's you know, lobbying for, for these values, which I mean, I'm a libertarian. I, I, I you know, I, I go to a lot of, of liberal philosophy. Um, then when you start trying to put it in everywhere, and th this is this has now gone beyond just trying to move society forward. This has gone into mm. propaganda. It's become a lot more aggressive. Yeah. Um, and and that's where a lot of people go. Okay, that's a little bit too far. Like like you got to mm. ease people into stuff. Like this. you can't just say take it or leave it. Otherwise, you know, like you, you can't do that. Um, well, and, it, and, and the point is, of any philosophy, it just misses the, it misses the nuance of the human experience. Nothing can be as black and white as extremes of political views make yeah. it, because then it just completely eradicates the point of existence. It's never that's that that straightforward. And, and so, and you know, humanity always returns back to the middle anyway. Yeah, we always return back to the middle, we, exactly. as we have throughout the entirety of history. We've always come back to 
kind democratic nations we kind of get a bit tough a bit too right we we always go back to the center yeah um, but, but extremely extremist views are very attractive to most people because they they're, they're definitive right in their in the yeah. way that they're defined quite often and communicated and people like that because of because the world and existence is a very ambiguous thing having yeah. someone say i know for certain or this is the way that we should think yeah um, it's a very attractive proposition to a lot of people compared to the ambiguity really, of most topics you know but, but it's also really profitable as well you know, yeah when you, when you when you start putting really high profile um matters in the media um mm. you know, like people that are then more engaged if, if it hits the emotions people are more engaged they're watching it more and then the advertisers well, get a lot theory, of money out of it in theory but then you look at the track record of some of the disney movies that have come out and maybe that's not really the case like the box but office I was, I, but, I was but if you mean of, in terms of politics and and yes like, like news corporations right right, yeah, right yeah, like, yeah, i mean yeah. But like the the BLM protests in 2020 were massively profitable for like CNN and, and like yeah. ABC and stuff. The the January 6th coverage as well that was really profitable too. Mm. Um, you know, whenever there's an MP that's been disgraced um, over in, in the UK media again, viewership goes up, ad revenue mm. goes up. It's just when when you put these issues on you know, on a prime time every single day, people's they, they get captivated because they're emotionally associated to that. Which I I think that, that's some kind of torture, surely. The fact that you know, you're constantly being shown stuff that emotionally charges you and you can't escape it, that must be a form of like emotional mental torture on well, over think, a long period of time. I think there's some sort of, um, I, I remember reading on this years ago, but there's, uh, there's, there's an evolutionary bias in humans towards negative information and, yeah. and, and even a negative disposition in general. And it it's takes, more powerful. Yeah, and it takes a more effort to, to have a positive disposition. And, and so, yeah, I think it just feeds into that in a lot of ways, you know, the news cycle. That, um, and also I think there's, there's a certain amount of wanting to be informed on something for sort of almost social purposes that, you know, if there is a large topic of the day, like let's say the, the war in Ukraine or, you know, the BLM, BLM process, like you said, you know, things like that, that, that if you know that everyone else is um, aware of these topics, then there's a certain amount of FOMO if you're not involved in that too. So it's almost yeah. like a social, social credit situation to, um, yeah. And, you want to be cool, you want to be popular, you want to... Yeah, and then, and then yeah, just that, that sort of, um, everyone's got the kind of morbid interest in things too, right? Yeah. You know? No, I'm, I'm, I'm there. And um, I just don't like when you see, you know, actual valuable movements I like what happened with BLM, like what happened with um, a lot of freedom movements over in like Canada and Australia. It just gets it. People then get hijacked by the media, and weaponized by mm. you know their 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 feelings. You know, so like you know, everyone supports a lot of these issues, uh, but the media just goes, "Oh, you feel this way? We're just going to keep on playing this just to just to, to weaponize." people and their feelings and I, that, that's where i kind of draw the line yeah uh, and i think it's a real but, shame for the blm movement because if it, it is it has been absolutely cannibalized um i, I think you know and, and you know i i remember a few years back um before especially the the the, the um the, the, the sort of protests and everything when they really blew up um you know i remember hearing about them as an organization and knew a few people who were you know supporters of it and worthy cause you know there was a serious yep. uh, problem um you know with with police brutality especially in the, primarily in the states you know very important topic to be talked about the rhetoric coming from individuals in that organization um since then has entirely changed um yep. and it's it's clearly just a few 
or quite a significant amount of bad apples in that organization that have just taken it over and it and it isn't a particularly well-run organization i mean it's not really an organization it's not it doesn't have yeah. leaders it doesn't have a you know a, 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 an official recognized a group of individuals that run it or that represented it you know or anything like that it's a, it is a movement and and i think yeah. that's done it a huge disservice because it had the traction actually to make some significant change and unfortunately it's kind it, of gone it, off the rails in my opinion and i think that's, it, that's it, problematic it, it had the traction to make significant change on a global scale and then the founder spent like six million on just buying mansions oh and really like, i didn't know that it was yeah i mean, i saw that i mean I, was, I don't believe this this is this is the propaganda i'm going to look into this and yeah she spent like six million on different properties buying herself some mansions from the donations that were given and i'm like that, that this just undermines everything yeah like you know this is this is the cause that people on left and right and in between can all get on board with and then someone does something like that and, 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 just, and look that's a really interesting thing to bring up though because like how easy is it for even the most uh, uh, seemingly well yeah. uh, meaning individuals in our society can be compromised by you know temp or tempted by you know, or corrupted by things like yeah. well like money and power like you well, know this, well this is what, what i was going to try and say um like five minutes ago was um it, it's the it's laws of physics here when it comes to people attracted to negativity and how it's mm -hmm. used to fall it, it's very it takes a long time to construct like like a, a building um it doesn't take that long to destroy it mm. it takes a long time to put a society it doesn't take long to destroy it like it, like creation takes a, a a such a much longer um time and and a construction of resources to, to to create than destructing mm. um it's very easy very quick and it's same with negativity it's very quick very easy uh, to get out of that negative mood that you have takes a you know, normally people sleep on it and they wake up okay the next morning um these negative emotions can last for days but happiness doesn't last that long you have to keep on trying to move towards it um mm. it's practically the laws of physics yeah. um you know and it, it's hard into our biology and into the laws of the universe um, and, I think, and it's yeah it absolutely is and i think that there are i mean well a bit of a random one have you heard of the pencil trick apparently this is a this is a use so apparently if you get a pencil and you put it in your mouth like this yeah it improves your mood because it changes the the, the muscle uh structure in your in your mouth to form something of a smile which releases chemicals in your brain to to improve your mood apparently i don't know any more about it okay. i probably butchered the reasoning behind it but something to do with that i don't know if it works or not because i've never tried it when i've been pissed off because i've been too pissed off to think of grabbing a pencil but um <laughs> but yeah i think there's a lot to be said as well for just you know lifestyle too right and not to get too off tangent because we're, we're really going yeah. off the rails but like like you know <laughs> if it's biological then you can do certain things to affect that like some of the most negative people i've met in my life have not been people who have taken care of themselves physically yeah right and so you know uh, there's there's a lot to be said for a good diet to, to being healthy and all that and we know that anyway i think you know doctors will say to you you're feeling down you know go to the gym like eat better but even just having a a, a more negative leaning um attitude like i think it can be attributed to, to yeah easily to lifestyle and yeah as human you will always be slightly attracted to that maybe a little bit more but it's it can make your life a little bit easier i think by living a healthier lifestyle and purpose to go back to what we talked about earlier purpose is an incredibly important thing yeah, you know, a lot of people well, you see on the extreme levels of, of and fringes of these kinds of debates or spending a lot of time trying to put other people down or having very prejudicial views on things. They've got fuck all else to do. If they had a yeah. purpose, they probably wouldn't be so worried about other people's business. You know, it's 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 just like it's it's one of those when like you you park like a single yellow line and someone complains to the council and puts <laughs> your license plate and it's like honestly, Kevin, if if this is literally on the top of your list, like oh my god.
Yeah. Just get a hobby. Get a hobby. Just get a hobby. Go outside. Mm. Look at the look at look at the trees. Like do do something. Um, yeah. But for a Karen, um, that is their hobby. It's being a Karen, right? I, I saw I saw one video actually. It was um I was in the UK. A guy's got a Tesla. And this woman comes up saying, "You're leaving the car on. It's exhausting. Those are dirty, nasty chemicals. <laughs> it's not allowed to It's yeah, like so and it, it just shows it onto his Tesla. Goes really this car? But it's electric. It's like, oh yeah, you'd like that, wouldn't you? It's like, <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I think just, I saw that. It's brilliant. <laughs> uh, I just I, I you have to laugh at it. I mean, it, it's actually a testament to you know where we're headed. But I mean, you have to laugh at it. Um, and, but but the, but here's the thing. What what is paradoxical about that? Right? It's like yeah, that's that's you know we're talking about you know the, the the pros and cons of 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 technology and then like the you know the 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 direction that we're headed with people's attitudes and so on but the fact that you we saw that and laughed at yeah. it and we were able to call that person out potentially humbling them because it went viral and made yeah. them realize i need to change hopefully change my behavior although in these cases usually people double down um you know they that, do. that's 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 potentially quite a useful thing that we can call people out in society who are acting inappropriately share that with the world and there's a certain level of accountability and of course the flip side to that is the sort of cancel culture so there's a pro and con to that too yeah. but like you know I, I don't know maybe i'm an optimist at heart it's, I like it's, to it's a way to see the, the silver linings in these things you know? it's, it's like a way to, to educate people i guess i mean um i did see uh somebody basically said you know when it comes to these like um karen's or kevin's that it's basically people who've never had a slap before in their life yeah. We've never, never, you know, and, and everyone's got a plan until you get hit in the face. Exactly. Um, yeah. And yeah. sometimes you do need to, you know, kind of be told in you know strong terms that, look, don't act this way. This is not yeah. an okay way to act. Uh, literally, actually, in this building that I'm at, uh, my accommodation, uh, you got two parties. You, you got like, it's like an S shape. Uh, but you got two like like common areas, and one had a party here, and there's another one having like a, a party there with their music, and the one at the birthday party put in the the group chat. Um, saying to the attention of the people in the other block your music is interfering with our birthday party could you please turn it off thank you for your cooperation well i, I, I was i was like what <laughs> did the music and, go up by any chance what yeah and, and more so and then i was just dumbfounded i was like how on earth because this person clearly this is their personality and they act like this 24 7 365 yeah. this is who they it's imagine, main character syndrome isn't it I would say, imagine going through life that arrogant and that obnoxious. Yeah. But I think to be a founder, you have to have like a little bit of ego, a little bit of arrogance, a little bit of, yeah, you have to have that kind of drive. And, and, you know, I know more than anybody else in this industry. I mean, by nature, if you're a starter, I mean, I'm saying I know more than anyone else in staff and hospitality in the, in, in the world. Mm. And there's some really big recruiters. And I'm saying I'm, I know more than you. You have to have a little bit of a little bit of arrogance to say that, um, but you do back it up with with action. But something like that was just that's just the the, the bad arrogance. I was like, Jesus Christ! Yeah, um, main, main character syndrome is definitely a thing these days. But but yeah, that's interesting what you say about it because if I I I would say yeah, there's there's definitely a certain level of arrogance uh, involved in in being a, a founder. But but having said that, I, I'm not sure if it's like always I know more about this industry necessarily, but like I I'm convinced I know how to solve a or this problem or a set of problems. Um, and the way that you're going about it either is wrong or um, yeah. or you're not even bothering to do it. And that, yeah, but yeah, I think you're right. There is, there is definitely a certain level of arrogance there, but, but it's yeah. at least it's not, it's not, um, it's not always, 
I've met some very arrogant assholes as <laughs> well, for sure. But but for the nice ones that I invite onto this podcast, um, it is usually a type of arrogance that isn't reflective of personality. It's more about the no, way no. they navigate their, they, to, to achieve their goal. It's a slightly it, different type of... It's more reflective of experience, see. Right. Yeah. It's more of like, a, I, I know how the world works in, in, in what I know, but where I've been, I know how this works. Mm. Um, and you guys don't. I mean... Like if you look at uh, one of our competitors, they were they were graduates from university, brothers, um, and they just created it. They 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 raised like one million straight away. I think it was from their dad. Um, I looked at their company's house and I was like, Jesus Christ! Um, there's, there's some fun things in their company's house. I was like, oh, okay, right, it's that kind of company. Um, right. And actually, during, during the lockdown, in like I think it was like January 2021, we we're in like full lockdown. Um, no bars, which was allowed to open, and they had reviews coming in saying, oh, "I did a shift yesterday; it was so amazing." And I'm like, mm. "Where? Mm. Where in the UK? <laughs> Please tell me. I need. I need to go here. I, I, yeah. I want a pint. I want a Guinness from draft, not from a fucking can." Yeah, no one. Um, no one told the agency in China to stop writing those reviews during lockdown. You, you, know, you couldn't get like, out of that is, contract. And, and, then, <laughs> and they raised, and they raised like a few more million, and they only had like 120 venues, and they raised like it was 20 million total. Mm. Um, and they'd only had like 200 venues at that point. I'm like, uh, okay, so where's my 20 million? I've got like almost 500 <laughs> signed up. Um, you know, like, where's the cash? Uh, yeah, yeah. You know, um, and I just, yeah, I just, I, I saw that. And um, I can't remember what I about, about like the, the hours. I just say, came out of university, we're just funded and funded and funded by, you know, whoever. Mm. Um, and, and the venues that I know who used them don't use them anymore. Um, because they don't actually fundamentally know what they're doing. Yeah. Um, you know, so just because you, you've raised 20 million, you've got 100 mil valuation, doesn't actually mean anything if your customers are leaving after a month. Um, I think, I think you can also, just to play devil's advocate a little bit on that, which I'm very good at, by the way, um, I think that, that, that it is also very possible for a founder to, to have an idea for a business in something that they, they've not got any experience in, but then to oh, yeah. learn about it. Like, I think that's really important, not to just blindly sort of continue into that, into that vertical, but yeah, I think it's very possible to learn about it. But if you well, don't I mean, take the time to learn about it and, 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 and understand your, your customers and so on, yeah. then you're, you're kind of, you're going to be shooting blind and you're, you're inevitably well, going to go up against someone who's better equipped. That, that's what deep tech is right i mean deep mm. tech is literally tech that doesn't actually exist yet but i'm right. going to make it and you may have been in like deep tech before but that's not the same deep tech as where you are now um so yeah no for sure but um i don't know just but when i saw this, this company i was like you know i mean their metrics were on like attitude um productivity and absences it is a very like big brother metrics what's right. your attitude like and the manager is really what they're viewing you so mm. it, it's just based on does the manager like you or not your your attitude your productivity and your absence is like okay what about like your teamwork your communication skills what about you know, your yeah. skills of making culture the skills of putting pints like how about all this stuff that describes who you are as a worker mm. and and what we do is a more fairer way of, of metricing people where you could be you know, a bit of an arrogant arsehole who doesn't like to communicate it'd be really bad at customer service but you're really fast at pouring pints well, there's a place for you. You want dispense. You're just going to keep pulling pints and and keep serving. And, so, and we try and show, okay, like this person has some shortcomings. Like I, I burn myself with with coffee. Like I can't do coffee. Like do cocktails. You need to know what you're shit at and what you're really good at. And we're going to put you where you're really good. Yeah. Right. And then you could so overcome all those shit. But and and I think that that's what they did wrong. They were just like, what is your overall attitude? Your overall productivity? And you can't metric that. Or was it was it a, a bar? Was it a restaurant? Like, what mm. was it? um and 
and then that there was no thought or due diligence in the actual platform and that's where i think we're better because we've actually thought about it yeah. um <laughs> so so yeah that's so it. at what point i mean did you ever have ambitions of, of being your own founder at any point or is this is this a, a lot more of an accidental thing because you know some founders i have on it was a very sort of planned thing then you eventually one day that they wanted to run their own company but or, or was it that you had the sort of fairly typical dream most bartenders had back in the day which is to open your own bar like was that the, the, the sort well, of thing? i think it's pretty much it's pretty much <laughs> like every, every every man's vision is to have their own pub or their own bar or something <laughs> right. just, just be to be your own pub lord i mean it's, yeah, just, yeah. it's, just, it's a thing that most of us want actually i do so with our platform you know if i if i wasn't building it and running it i'd try and work my way up to the point where i could be a bar manager over in hawaii because mm. okay yeah you're working but you're in hawaii like are you really working mm. um you know especially when we've got you know, this overcast fucking clouds we have all year round in london apart from the last month we've really sunny the last month here but um that's why you should move to eastbourne mate it's I, always sunny here it's wonderful here <laughs> we, we have we we do have that uh digifest yeah 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 September 20, 22nd. Um, yeah. Yeah. That's going to be, that's going to be pretty fun. Um, yeah, hopefully it'll be nice weather as well. well. Yes. Yeah. 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 Um, so, yeah. So, um, I mean, 10 years ago, I was in like nuclear engineering. Um, so, I was doing like a nuclear, I was basically trying to design a, a portable nuclear reactor, like a small modular reactor, um, which I termed the, the compact nuclear fission reactor. It's basically a reactor that you can transport from A to B. Um, it can provide energy for you know, like a couple of years. Um, and wow. it's meant to be able to, you can democratize energy usage, uh, like industrial estates, commercial estates, um, because you use it for space flight. So nuclear jet propulsion, um, currently to get to Mars, it takes like three months. Um, you don't like Starship, it takes about three months to get there. But if you had nuclear jet propulsion, you could get there in about two weeks. Mm. Um, so because we, when, when rockets get into, get into space, they then have uh, little thrusters that just kind of like like, like, like just like jet and push them towards um a new planet which is millions of miles away mm. um literally yeah. um she so just kind of for, for most of the trip to to mars you're using gravity and just kind of like floating towards there because there's no forces acting upon you with nuclear propulsion you would have the ability to keep on being able to to push a lot longer a lot further to get there a lot quicker um it does mean you've got to start breaking for the last few days like the last few days you're literally just trying to stop mm. um if you don't stop then well Splat. <laughs> yeah yeah cool we were doing nuclear ice caps like musk wanted in that case um so actually that's a pretty good idea um but um so yeah so i was i was working on that um when i was like 14 i feel like 18 19 years old um to the point my mom actually went to edf there was a nuclear power plant in dungeness by not too far from from eastbourne um and they offered me to come in for two months when i was like 18 years old and my head teacher sat me down he was like um you're missing too much education so you can go for a week I was like, a week? I'm still able to put the hazmat suit on after a week. Like, you mm. know, this is two months to go to as a nuclear power plant to actually probably learn about how to run a nuclear power station, um, which obviously off that you're going to then get like your degree scholarship. You're going to get like a, a full ride to then get a, a job as a nuclear physicist. Mm. Um, and he just went, yeah, I'm going to get the police involved if you go there. And, uh, and I was like, right. Okay. I mean, like, what education am I missing? Like, I'm literally doing fucking nuclear physics. My A-levels are physics and math. Mm. like you know and, and business which is just look at the book and you've got business it's not that hard um and and i was like i'm gonna learn so much more here and he just wasn't having it proper state comprehensive school in birmingham yeah. um which they, they did, they that was it um yeah. so yeah so that that got took for me and i was at university um i was doing drones as well so we had a one on so 
I went to like four lectures apart from entrepreneurship for engineering. And that one I went to most of it. And um, with this woman, Karine, Karina or something like that. And um, we had to design like a LiDAR drone, like a laser scanning drone. Um, and I, I started designing something. And um, I was like, actually, this could be used for defense. Um, this could be like a proper, it basically had to make Skynet. Um, right. with, with, without, but without like the centralization of Skynet, right? Um, decentralized Skynet or DNet, or something like that. I don't know. Uh, that's actually what I was working on at like, <laughs> university. Um, and so, and so that was going pretty well. We then found out that Karina, uh, her business went bankrupt a few years ago. And then she came here to do an entrepreneurship and she wanted us all to, to design a drone to give it to her to, to market. I'm like, your previous company was in drones. You want 200 of us to give you a design for a drone. Mm. And you're just going to not do anything with it? No, 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 no. I, and this, I, and this I, was a university lecturer. This is a university lecturer, yeah. And we we put, we all put the pieces together. We was like, yeah, okay, you're going to try and steal what what looks good. So um, we literally we made a fake design drone to then submit uh, to get some marks on, um, and then kept this one secret, which you know, and that'll be my next business is in um, drones of defense. But I think to answer your question, I I saw university as you've got four years where you're paid whether your 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 bed's paid you got roof over your head and you got food on your table for four years so that's four years that you have no commitment to having to work as four years make a business um so i i went there knowing that i i've always been an entrepreneur since like 14 years old i was writing a novel before that um and yeah just, i've always been that way minded um mm -hmm. i think barback is my my first step so you know if i solve like the labor crisis for you know earth um then i can go do some other ventures which are pretty cool as well and then it's taking over the earth with with dina that's the next step well, well, <laughs> baby steps baby steps <laughs> but unlimited nuclear energy as well right so we can just solve all the, employment, yeah. all the employment problems all of the, the social problems all of the energy problems and you know all the war problems because well the, the idea behind the drones was that um you put them around like uh, an entire border um, mm. any alien aircraft entering the airspace will be shot down and flares don't do shit um, so the idea is, if you want to invade a country, you've actually got to put boots on the ground and march in, which you can't do anymore because well, we've got artillery. Um, so the idea was it could end all wars. So you've, you've got the employment stuff figured out for the planet. You've got all the defense situation, no more wars happen in the planet. And then you've got the energy for the planet as well. So you solve the three, three of the biggest issues that yeah. Earth faces. Conflict, and so that's kind employment, of, and, and, uh, and resources, yeah. That's kind of my, my three-pronged approach to trying to preserve society. Right. So the, 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 yeah, you're going to be the new, the new, well, the, the, the better version of Elon Musk, the Elon Musk 2.0. Uh, <laughs> He's also got Asperger's and your know, initials are both EM. So, you know, oh, yeah, Jesus Christ. I didn't put that together. Wow. Okay. It's all coming together now. So this, yeah, the, the, yeah, this podcast will be looked at very favorably, hopefully in a few years. Uh, so that's good. Um, well, we'll, we'll, we'll see. What about with the, uh, the nuclear, the, 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 the nuclear, um, uh, device we're talking about you can you put one on the front as well to slow down well no but you just for the the actually you put it on obviously on the back as a module um mm. so if you have to jettison it you can jettison it right. um I, i'm not designing the space car i'm just designing the actual the actual engine yeah um but so the, the way my reactors work was you'd have pressure reducing valves which literally do what it says is pressure reducing valves they just produce pressure in the system um so i was like oh well actually if you've got to reduce pressure to keep the system stable, we can then take those valves, push them at the front of the end of the spaceship and at the back That's of the spaceship, propulsion. and there now you have propulsion. 
Yeah. And so that was the idea. You could actually use what is required for the React to run and actually double it up as uh, the, the spaceship thrusters. Right. That, that was the really cool design that I, I had for that. So then you could, in theory, you could have a, a mechanism that switches that, so it then goes to the front for for slowing down. Yeah, yeah, that's it. They just tie to different different um, pressure limits, so mm. you have different valves at different levels of pressure. Um, so you, you could, yeah, you you could be able to to do stuff like that. Um, or you need a pretty advanced computer to to regulate all that stuff, and you've got to hope mm. that that doesn't go squiff, because otherwise, again, um, yeah. Bye bye, um, but yeah, that, that was uh, one of the, one of the main um, ideas that we had. It's a, it's a really interesting idea. I'm I'm fascinated by the, the the idea of emerging technologies in space. I think it's um I think everyone's in agreement that it's really where the future of um you know resource and and you know a, a huge amount of other benefits can come from. What what are your some of the the, the technologies, space led technologies that you're most excited about? Is it mostly resource led, or have you uh, or energy led? Like you know, yeah. Um. Oh no! So actually, uh, in front of we did meet the um, the VP of launch for for SpaceX. Um, oh, really? Wow! Yeah. <laughs> I actually I asked him a question. I'll send you the video. I asked him a question. I was like, um, so they um, they showed a video um, of like, their first space flight, and they're like, just civilians, just put them into space. Uh, and one guy wasn't actually nominated, but his friend got the ticket and didn't want to go, so he got his friend to go instead. Um, <laughs> and they're in space, and they they come back down, and the pilot goes, "Thank you for flying with SpaceX." Um, and I was like, oh my God. So I just put my hand up. He, he, I'm, just, I'm, like, I'm like, like this, I'm like, you know, please, sir, you know. Um, he asked me, and I was like, um, so when can we hear the famous words, thank you for flying with SpaceX? And he just went, are you about point to point? I was like, yeah. Which means that, you know, we go from like London up Los Angeles down, uh, like, you know, half an hour. And um, I was like, yeah, he went, uh, I can't tell you. Which means it's either really, really close or, or really, really, really far away. away. Yeah, yeah. Well, so, so they, said, they said Mars by like 2035. Um, they said we should be on Mars by 2035. Um, and That's so I said, long. okay, well, what about it's, 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 you know, just over 10 years. Mm. Um, no longer at all. And um, as a point to point, he said, we can't talk about it. So I'm like, it could be before Mars or it could be like after Mars. Um, I think it's before. I mean, it should be before. Mm. Surely you should be able to launch and land on your own planet before a planet that's. <laughs> fucking over yonder yeah right? like you'd imagine except that on mars there aren't a lot of other governments to deal with airspace uh you know the legalities of it politics and so on so actually it's probably a lot less red tape to just go off and fly to another planet yeah than it until, is until a little green men come out of their caves going hey what are you doing <laughs> yeah exactly <laughs> And then you have all the airlines to, to battle with yeah. who are probably going to be scared of, you know, so there's probably a lot more politics involved. In, well, in... Just 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 tell them to avoid where we are. Like, I mean, look, look, our ship's a lot bigger than yours. It was a lot faster. So you know, you've been... it actually happened last week. I was at um, some art exhibition in Oxford Circus. I was going to go for a wee wee. You like all these doors, are like they're like individual, like kind of um, like toilets. Mm. It's one door open. I went to go into it. And this little guy literally just, just walked to go in. I just, just walked, just cut, cut in front of me, just went in. I grabbed his backpack and just pulled. I was like, you can wait. And just <laughs> <pulled in. laughs> How tall are you then? Uh, six two. Oh, okay. Um, but but yeah. like, I was just like, I just saw his backpack. I was like, uh, no, I'm bursting <laughs> with the toilet. So that's, that what outside, that's what SpaceX should do then. <laughs> but, but, yeah, I mean, we were outside and I was saying, oh, yeah, I bet you're ready. He was like, yeah, yeah, I know. You, you, you pull your back. I was like, like, but I was in the wrong. And I was like, at least you know you're in the wrong. Um, but yeah, SpaceX, yeah. I mean, yeah, who, who's got the bigger ship? Um, yeah. but he, he literally he did say, Oh, yeah, you're bigger than me, that's how it works. That's, that's the rule. 
And I said, well, <laughs> my dad is like five foot ten, and he would really, really disagree. Uh, <laughs> but, like, yeah. He used to hate it when he'd tell me off. He's got to look up at me, and I've got to look down, and he just, he really, really, uh, he's bald, got like, like tattoos and everything. He, yeah. he, no, did not like that one bit. I hope my son um, doesn't grow up to be taller than me. That would be devastating. <laughs> it's, it's, how, how tall are you? Uh, I don't know, uh, five, seven, something like that. Not, okay. not, not very. It's my yeah, most common not, answer. Yeah, not very. But yeah. um, and this chair is making me look fucking smaller by the minute as well. <laughs> Keeps going down. There we go. But yeah, so so travel but, um, is an interesting one for you. Then is it? But, yeah, are, are there any others that sort of really so, excite you? So travel, um, low gravity um, manufacturing as well. Mm. Um, so you can put factories up in space. You can you can make um, really precise. Um, but microchips um, and nanochips stuff like that. So well, not nanochips, but yeah, I heard recently that a company um, a company had a pilot um, on a recent. Uh, uh, they, they brought some technology with them, some sort of printer. For, I think for that exact reason to to yeah. start to start testing out the, the the development and the manufacturing of microchips in space. Of, of low, 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 low gravity, yeah, you, you can you can get a lot more accuracy. Mm. Um, I mean, in fifteen seventeen, the the fund that went to go meet, they they've got um, a few of the investments in space tech, and they're all pretty pretty interesting. Uh, one's doing more large scale manufacturing and how to transport goods across space, mm. um, which is a really interesting one. Um, actually, he invited me to go see his factory in uh, San Fran. So, you know, if I close my round soon, then um, you know, I said I'll, I'll have a few days over there just to you know go and as I like got a business trip, but also again you're in San Fran, so like yeah. Yeah, but um, so if you've got that, um, I mean, Starlink is pretty fun. It's just, it, it's kind of, there's gonna be a lot of traffic in space in, in, in mm -hmm. the future. Uh, travel, um, manufacturing, they're the two big ones at the moment. Um, and then, I mean, so so when I said about our nuclear reactors, so you can put it onto uh, like, like a ship, you have to, so the, the ship has to launch into space first. You have to have a big ass rocket, put it into space, and then you attach a nuclear uh, engine onto the ship um so you have to assemble that in space so you've got to build a shipyard either right. on the moon or in space so mm. to, i think that someone soon is going to redesign it because i've got if no one does it before me um or somebody else will design an actual like space station like an actual station not the death star but like, you know like something like you know, fairly big uh we yeah. can actually assemble uh, components of ships and what it's going to lead to, or at least in my view, what's going to lead to is modular shipbuilding, mm. like the International Space Station, where you know little bits, but they're like tiny little like cylinders like like this. You know, they're, they're very tiny uh, things. Um, we'd have that on a bit of a bigger scale where people could actually walk and live in stations, but it'll all be built in a modular capacity. Mm. Um, so I think you're going to start seeing a lot of even I'm talking about 10, 15, 20 years down the line, uh, building like warehouses in space. We'll be able to shoot up like a starship just full of oxygen um, and then put that into tanks in space we had to hold in our in our warehouses and stuff. Um, the issue with this is that you've then got a lot of um, space debris in space already. Um, mm. you know, they, they orbit at you know certain um, like like uh, levels. And the issue here is that um, these little bits of metal they they travel at seventeen and a half thousand miles an hour. Mm. Um, so if I mean, if you've got like you know like an oxygen tank. Uh, you've got a little bit of metal coming in at um, a very fast speed. Um, again, kaboom. And yeah. the issue we keep going back to about space is that you know, the, the, the ability to go kaboom and go splat um, is very, very large. Mm. Um, so I think that what I'm really looking forward to and, and something that I might dedicate 
for my Sundays too in the next couple of years um, is on how do we clear space debris? So mm-hmm. either torpedoes um, or webs or stuff. There's a few different things that we can use. We have to go and catch. Like, so like how the Thames, in the Thames, you have these like, like huge like barges that collect garbage yeah. and they travel off. Doing stuff like that in space, it's a bit harder because again, that garbage floats at like, you know, 10 meters per hour mm-hmm. uh, or per second, uh, not per second, but per minute. Um, I was in space, uh, again, 20,000 miles per hour. So it's a little bit and, harder. And in the Thames, you don't have bits of trash that actually are very important and can't be moved or taken away yeah. like satellites. So you have to also account for that as well, don't you? Yeah. So yeah. so it, it, it's a bit of a harder game, but it's the exact same theory. Mm. Um, so my, my Sundays, I mean, it's what I say to all my advisors, like, you know, I work seven days a week. My Sundays are days where I get to just, you know, just put things on the wall, see what it takes and just get to play around with like science mm. and like, rules and like news and stuff i just get to see what what we can make of stuff it's my hobby day basically um so i think i think another really key to 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 sort of conquering space as it were from an industrial perspective to to open up all these possibilities um from my understanding of it and i'm I'm not a scientist and i don't have a a scientific background like you but from from my limited understanding of it is um is the idea of a self-replicating um mechanical uh system right so some a robot essentially that can yep. can self-replicate from my understanding that's an incredibly important sort of building block of being able to achieve all of these things so to be able to deploy a, a robot or a set of robots or, or, or you know um, whatever mechanical organisms however you want to term them who can take yep. the resources of that planet um and and the energy that, that's that's you know around them whether that's from sunlight or the planet itself whatever and just duplicate themselves because then you can get to to what you're saying quite quickly of you know having these dock stations having these shipyards um, in a in a very quick quick way as and, and less expensive ways than than moving everything well, this, out there, you know. Well, this is it. You you'd have a station that could build, you know, like a like a two hundred three hundred meter long ship, or, or at least square meters, um, mm. and 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 the actual yard that would build that would still only have you know six to nine people on board. Mm. Um, most of it would be automated. Um, I mean, Musk has made huge strides in this area with um, autonomous manufacturing. Mm. Um, he, did, he did say in a, an interview, he said, I think I know more about manufacturing than anybody else on the planet. And if you look at what he has done with these gigafactories, um, the, the, if you actually look at this, like how this works, um, he's he's done more than what Taylor and Ford did. You know, yeah. the, 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 the production line, he's the biggest thing to have happened since then. Um, no one talks about it, but the credit where credit's due, he's, he's revolutionized manufacturing on what is going to be a global scale. It's going to take 10, 15, 20 years for it to affect most people, mm-hmm. but this is going to be you know, the, 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 the go-to for most manufacturing companies uh, in just over a decade. Um, and we can apply that stuff in space as well. Again, I should say, we, we've got to be careful how many solar panels we have in space because then, they, you, um, so with radiation, you kind of kind of get pushed. We have like solar sails to help push it towards like a, um, I think the, the Voyager, has like huge solar sails and then they, they just get pushed towards like Jupiter or now outside of the solar system. Mm-hmm. There is that problem where if you have a big, big screen for solar panels, you're going to start getting pushed and you have to have like a first set of counter that you've got to refuel that. So, yeah, but yeah, there's a lot of moving parts, but um, so it's like really a, 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 a cost, a cost to expenditure. Um, yeah, of, of, of energy there that you need to balance constantly. Yeah, yeah. which is why the Dyson Fears, um sort of idea falls a bit flat, doesn't it? Because of that. that I should have put my. I should have put my t-shirt down. Um, this year, I was wearing it earlier. It's like a little tank top, but I don't find it. So they, they, they called the weekend Friday Night Dyson Sphere. That's oh, why right. Esther, That's why Essa Dyson was was there. I really should have. Right. But 
If you want to pause for like five minutes, I can go show you the t-shirt. Yeah, um, yeah, do it. That's fine. Yeah, go and grab it. I'm sipping water. Yeah, yeah. Right. <laughs> a couple minutes. Here he is. Are we there? Yes. So let's I'm see the. Awesome. I'm here. I'm still here. Ah, yeah. Me? Yes, I can. I can't see your screen though. Oh, okay. I'm I'm still here. <laughs> okay, it's just you gone black. Um, I'm just trying to turn off camera and turn it back on again. Um, yeah, I don't know why. It's literally. Yeah, I mean, maybe we'll come back in a minute. Um, this is literally this is what it said for like Dyson Sphere, um, and the idea behind it was that um, people who were there it was like a Friday night. Uh, most people would go out to like a, a bar, like a pub, and they go out drinking, they, they yeah. whatever. Um, the people at that event, um, they were working on, you know, like like physics. They're working on like startups. They're working on innovation, on changing society. Um, and so Friday night Dyson Sphere about the the whole Dyson Sphere model. Um, so I wanted to show you, like, yeah, it was, um, it was very it was cool. awesome. And, and um, it makes sense because it's but, many, many single components to solve a much, much, much bigger problem. So, yeah, makes sense. Yeah. Yeah. Um, so, yeah, so um, the Dyson Sphere, as you mentioned, it's, um, in theory, um, it's pretty, it, it's a good idea. But how we could actually do that, I mean, yeah, that would, uh, that's definitely not where we're going to be at for, I'd say, a good few years. Yeah, yeah. What's the name of the? You, you would probably know this. What's the name of the the law in relation to the evolution of a civilization, but based on their sort of space uh, spacefaring um, abilities? There's like a, a name for that progression, isn't there? Um, well, you've like, like, got like tier one, tier the, two, the tiers. Two, three, yeah. Four. What's the name of that yeah. system again? I actually. Can't remember the name of it, um, but yes, yeah, so you got. But yeah, I, I so remember hearing on... that Dyson Sphere was one of the mo the most important sort of parts of that leap from I think tier one to tier two, even um, quite yeah. early on, isn't it? Yeah, yeah, and then and then it's about and then you go to like galactic travel and and stuff like that. Yeah, um, we start looking at warp drives and all that all that stuff. Which, yeah, is it, I mean, people say that's a uh, too far in the future and it's it's not really a thing, but I could definitely see how that could happen. It's just it's just oh, yeah. it's just gravity and forces right but it's no different to just we don't know how to do that yet um yeah. i don't think we for, for a while yeah we just need to learn how to bend space and time how hard can that be you know you know i, I tell you what, given enough sundays you could probably I figure mean, it out I mean, school, <laughs> school, schools do it already right you go to school and time fucking drags so we've got to do is just apply that yeah you know just, harness, just get some harness the power of shit <laughs> yeah just get some history teacher on the ship and all of a sudden yeah it'll feel <laughs> yeah, like a while but it's not that much yeah, yeah. Um, yeah. Harness the power of boring politicians and teachers, and we we've nailed it basically. Yeah, you've nailed it. Yeah, but <laughs> as you can tell, like I do, I do like science. I was going to uh, ask about that. Yeah, what, what is so? I can't quite see it. So it's a, an astronaut, so, is it? Yes, like an astronaut. Um, uh, DNA. The skeleton, yeah, like a skeleton version. DNA. It's in like a like a hologram. Um, so the idea is, so oh, this I'm going to get like a like a meteor going into Earth, and it will split off into nebula. Going down my arm, uh -huh. um, all in color. Um, so the idea is, if we keep going where we are going, like you know, like like um, the severity of wars is increasing and increasing. The the fight for resources is increasing as well. Um, people being divided like never before. Um, we're going to end up like this man here. On mm -hmm. this side, I'm going to have it all at base scale. Um, you have like like biomechanics and like like cogs and gears, or, like plumes of smoke. Uh, we have like a, a a skeleton here with a builder's hat and a scythe, um, and that kind of symbolizes that. If we kept going where we were going, that mass industrialization, mass pollution, um, and and the changing climate, we have like him. And then mm -hmm. on my back, I 
create a mural for my vision of like uh, the future society. Um, there's gonna be like a whole like 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 a like what was it a Michelangelo's like uh, like Fresno paintings? Yeah, uh, like the huge. Yeah. And do one of those on my on my body, basically. Well, that's a lot more impressive than mine. Mine are all just comic book characters. So. <laughs> I hadn't put as much thought into mine. I was like, that, look, that looks like a cool comic book character. I get that. But I like the fact that you're all, all full colour as well. I'm, I'm a fan of the full colour uh, sleeve yeah. as well. Apart from when you're getting it done, it's uh, it, it's a lot of pain. It is. Um, this here, a lot of pain. on my elbow, I do not recommend it. That was the worst pain I've ever experienced in my life. It was horrendous. It was like, I can't even like find real words to describe it to people. Cause I know a lot of people with tattoos and they've avoided those areas because they, they've heard the, that they're really painful. That was awful. The, it like was making me physically sick. It, like I felt it in my stomach as it was happening. It's, oh, it's horrible. Jesus. Yeah. I mean, yeah, when you, when, you, when you look into the, to the elbow, I mean, that's nowhere near the elbow, but it's still close enough to yeah. just, you, you start about it. And you start getting towards it, the armpit. Yeah, no. Yeah. Um, and this was a whole other level. Like it was, it was no longer just painful on the arm. It was like painful in my whole body. Like I could feel it in my head, in my stomach. Like it was just, and it's not even finished. Like he didn't finish it. We were there for like a few hours. Um, and I was like, we, we have to call it a day. I can't finish it. That's good enough. Like, and I'm not getting it finished. <laughs> Look at that. Maybe, yeah. There no, you are, you're back. Um, can, can you show me your tattoo now? Um, you, you oh, oh your right, yeah. Back. There we go. Yeah. It's oh, Ego, Ego the lovely. Living Planet. Okay. From, from Guardians of the Galaxy, uh, the comic. Oh, yeah, movie. okay. Yeah, yeah. That's what he looks like in the comic, I mean, not, um, I not am, whatever the actor's name is. I, I am, I am going to get a, a Fallout uh, piece done on my, on my body as well. Um, as in the game or the band? The game, the game. Do you okay. play Fallout? I did back in the day. Yeah, I haven't for many, many years. I, yeah. I am probably that's it, a nuclear physicist playing Fallout. That's uh, that's very apt. <laughs> well, well so, so here's, here's the fucking story. Um, yeah. So literally, I was like, yeah, like 14 years old. I was playing Fallout Three. You're in like Washington DC, and um, you have this Tesla armor. Um, it's like a huge like power armor, and on the back you have two like cylinders with like this like, like blue, actually blue kind of like stripes in the middle. Mm. Um, I was like, oh, they're nuclear reactors. Let's design one. Um, and this year, I was just, just for fun, I was trying to like design how it would work and stuff. And I was yeah. like, actually, wait a minute. I started learning about like Kirchhoff's um, equations, the four factor formulas, stuff like that. And I started really digging into actually, this could potentially work. Mm -hmm. um, and I was like, okay, well, how do you play with physics here? Because the really fun thing there was um, so, a normal nuclear reactor, you, know, you just you search water through, it gets charged up to the turbines, everything then make, makes electricity. But if it's in a portable nuclear reactor, you can't just keep on pumping water into it because you've got radioactive water coming out. Um, and that stuff gives you like three arms, four legs, and you know, six mm -hmm. eyes. Uh, so the, the, and, and so if it's in a contained system, uh, you've got pressure. And then that pressure, water expands, right? But if it's in a contained pressure, that it's going to uh, add pressure to the containers. And so if you look at like titanium, it can handle like 36 megapascals of pressure, which is a fair bit of pressure. Mm -hmm. Above that, boom. Um, and and it's, the, we keep going full circle. Like a lot of what happens, especially with like, like physics and energy, it's all about um, how to not go kaboom or splat. Yeah, yeah. Um, yeah. And I, I can say I'll send you later. It's like a, the, the four-factor formula um, basically shows about how to make a, a nuclear reaction like stable. Um, and you got like 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 sigma this and minus one that. It's all over. God knows all, all letters of the alphabet in in the Greek alphabet are all there. And it's a huge. <laughs> and the answer you want to get to one. 
Like this entire thing, you all want to get to one. Mm. Um, below one means the reaction starts to fade out. You know, like, like one reaction makes it 0 0.9, it goes down and, and fades out. Um, over one, you have Chernobyl. Um, right. So it's, it's a very, very important equation. And Quite you have to precise, do all of this, yeah. And you have to do all of this math to get to one. Right. Um, and, and so, yeah, I, I just, I just, yeah, just loved it. And then, you know, but so Fallout you, came from Fallout. So a computer game inspired it. So basically, you've, you've, you've invented a uh, proton pack. So we could actually have Ghostbusters as well. Because that was a nuclear reactor on their backs as well, wasn't it? Which I always thought was a bit of a, a bit of bullshit. Because like, if if um, I can't remember the was it Igor uh, Egon? I can't remember the name of the scientist who invented the proton pack. But if he could invent that, then he could literally solve the world's energy uh, crisis. So it's why did he for ghosts? For ghost hunting. <laughs> yeah, yeah. It's like, That's uh, and they were poor, like... and they were trying to scrape together. It's like you've invented the solution to. All the world's energy problems. Yeah. Go and sell that shit. You know. I mean, uh, <laughs> I, I have to go and look because I, I haven't watched Ghostbusters since I was like seven eight years old. Um, but if it, I think it may have been fusion because fission, which is ah. you split atoms, um, you get something called gamma radiation out of that. Which uh, you put it on your back, and after a couple of minutes, yeah, you, you, you've melted into a that's, puddle. That's how you make um, the Hulk. Yeah. Well. <laughs> yeah. Um, but fusion, which is obviously fusing atoms together and releasing energy, um, that could potentially be what they were using. Um, mm. But I mean, but fusion is really scary. I mean, if you get like, say, like a, a gram of antimatter, which is you know, fused materials um, of fused atoms, um, if that that can't touch anything in reality, and mm. the opposite spin. So if it touches anything, you get a big kaboom. Um, one gram, if one gram interacted with any kind of particle, the explosion would take out Birmingham. Which actually could be a good thing. Um, <laughs> like, no one. Sorry to anyone listening in Birmingham. <laughs> well, I was, I was there for fifteen years, you know, and um, yeah, I just, I, I wouldn't, I wouldn't miss it. Like, you know, I, I'm, I'm not kidding, of course. But, um, but that, that's literally like the size of the explosion that you would have. It would take it like, like most of Birmingham with mm. one gram of antimatter. Oh, so again, we talk about the dangers in space and how quick something could go could be more splat there mm. on Earth with anti. I mean, there's where they shut down um, the EU shut down CERN, right, uh, for mm. fears of destroying the Earth. They thought it could create a black hole and then that's just going to destroy Earth. Mm. Um, so well, you didn't do that with fucking nukes, did you? You know, like I mean, yeah, there's, there's yeah. other things that you definitely can. Well, um, and this is the thing going going back to what we were saying earlier about how advancements will naturally mean that there are those with with bad intentions who 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 will manipulate them or, or take advantage of them. Like space is no different there, right? From a defense perspective, we know that you know there's going to be a lot of nefarious activity out in space once we conquer that. Not least testing of nuclear weapons or other kinds of weaponry. You know, the military is going to have a huge level of involvement in that. And and as you know, as uh, as we all know, you know the new uh, the military uh, play a huge part in technological advancement. You know, it's a, it's the parts yeah. of the um, uh, the, you know, the, the, the governments that have the highest amount of funding for that kind of thing. And a lot of the technologies we have now is a result of, of nuclear, uh, 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 sorry, of, of military well, innovation. Even, even so, the computer, the, the, the Turing machine, right, right? from yeah. the Nimico, like. Yeah, exactly. So it's, it's important. It needs to happen. But it is also it's I suppose if we're going to test any nuclear weapons anywhere out in space is probably most more slightly more ideal than at home. Um, but especially if we start getting on to these kinds of weapons where you know where we're yeah. weaponizing things like black matter or some some other more significant things or you know maybe sort of testing out uh you know like we we're just talking about warp drive technology or you know black you know m messing around with creating black holes and you know that that's all inevitably going to happen i would be feel much more comfortable knowing that that shit was being tested out 
many many millions of miles away than than like you know down the road you know but that's just me <laughs> yeah yeah I, I have i have a theory as well sorry just really i i was thinking about this earlier before you went off to grab the t-shirt but i have a theory as well that elon musk um going back to elon musk quickly is actually a little bit um forward more forward thinking than than he lets on although he does appear to be very forward thinking in his idea for uh, wanting to create neural link as well as the range of androids that he wants to create i have a theory that in his understanding of space travel it requires um non-human uh sort of uh yeah pilots essentially to be able to to be able to, to to do these endeavors and a very important part of that though is if a human being can take over that non-human uh in, in a remote with, in a remote capacity yeah. so i think that's his logic of thinking there i don't know if he's ever publicly come out and said that but but that's that's, that's where i think he's going with that i i kind of see his plan um which i don't really talk about because you know he's not spoken about it so i'm not going to speak about it either uh but i do i i see what's happening and it's a really really good plan um mm. and i help with that um but yeah with with with, with that end i mean there's a game called eve line where you're you were, you were captured you in like space mm. and like some like galaxy i don't know if you've played it and you were captured here i have a little bit, capsule yeah. interface with the entire ship and that's kind of what you're talking about which i mean a lot of sci-fi there's another one called star citizen as well which is apparently really yeah. good i've not played it but it looks really amazing so um I can see that. I mean, that's literally what the technology can do. Mm. Um, but yeah, that's a part of it. But like I say his overarching uh, theory and, and, and plan is it, it's pretty good. Um, yeah. I, I do. I'm a fan of it. Um, and we can kind of fit into that in quite a few areas. Um, so, do, do you yeah. consider yourself something of a futurist? I, it, it's hard because I I'm, apparently I'm also a doomer um right. I, I don't know well so, so we, we had this debate um friday when, when i was over in florida um so we had a debate with the, the gp michael he, he did his phd in philosophy dropped out and then met peter Thiel, as you do um and then that started everything else mm. um and, and so you know he was talking about um existential threat you know with that, like ai nuclear climate um and um, we, I didn't get enough of a debate in, and I went to the GP, to Danielle, I was like, I want to debate him soon. She's like, well, go ask him, tell him you turned him to a duel. There's a room free. So, you know, the, the next session, uh, we had a debate. And then I'm sat down there, about like 30 people are watching. And he just turns and just looks at me like that, as if free to start. And then I realized, this guy is a little bit older than I am. He's worked with Peter Thiel personally. Uh, he's worked with some of the smartest people on the planet. And he almost had a PhD in philosophy. Uh, and here I am to challenge him. Um, <laughs> you know, so I, I didn't really think things through. You know, as a copy would say, you've told the talk, you've got to walk the book. Hmm. Um, I gave it a good shot. And, and I said, look, I'm, I'm not a doomer, but what I'm saying is, we, we, kind of what I said earlier, you were building technology where the ramifications of that tech is getting bigger and bigger and bigger and bigger exponentially and so at some point in time t it's going to go the other way you know something bad's going to happen like at some point whether it's now or in 10 years or a hundred thousand years at some like if you keep it in black and roulette if you keep it in black you're going to hit red at some point it is going to happen mathematically it's going to happen um we, we can we can delay it um you know i was even in parliament for the ai white paper and um, I, but we all about how to regulate AI. Okay, we have to have regulation. Um, but if we have regulation, other countries, you know, we've got to get them to come on board with regulation. Some of them won't. And even if 
they do all come on board because some individual bad actors from actually a piece of regulation. So we kind of come full circle to say we're going to regulate, but there's no point in regulating. And so we have no actual solution here. Um, and I'll just say, okay, at some point in time, T, hopefully it's, you know, after after we've gone to bed, but, um, you know, it, it, it's going to happen. And, and this is why we have to become a multiplanetary species. Because you know, we're locating this to this is going to happen on individual planets, not as a whole galactic species, unless yeah, I, don't, I can't yeah. So if you're on, it's, if you're yeah, on it's Earth, also about Mars, spreading risk as well, isn't it? Like that's why yes, it's you're spreading the risk. You're diversifying. Yeah. You're diversifying the species across. Mm. You know, uh, hopefully the entire galaxy over the next you know ten thousand years, mm. um, and then if, if Earth does fall, which you know at some point. Probably, uh, but, 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 but they will then come back in a couple of million years and repair everything. There's like, mm. one thing that I don't like about um, obviously the, 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 the Earth is warming. We're, we're kind of getting to pre ice age levels now. Um, so the last ice age we had ended like 1850, like last mini ice age, um, and the, the Earth cooled by two degrees. We now we've now increased by 1.8 degrees. We're almost at pre ice age levels, but we're, we're accelerating. So that, that, that's the that's the, the the issue part is the acceleration. Mm. Um, a lot of protesters when, when i do have a little bit of a giggle is when they say we have to save the earth i'm like no we don't like the earth the, the earth made it through the meteors it survived the dinosaurs it survived being bashed by solar radiation it survived mm. meteor strikes we ain't got to say the, the earth will be fine the earth is going to shrug us off like a fucking tree shakes off leaves yeah you know it's us we've got to save yeah <laughs> like, yeah you know, it's, it's not some noble cause to save the earth. It's to save our own fucking lives. Mm. Um, so how about we, we just say that and be honest? Mm. You know, we've got to save ourselves. Yeah. Um, there's nothing wrong yeah. with being, being direct about that. <laughs> yeah. the, the earth is going nowhere. You give it a million years and it's, it's gone back to zero. Like, don't you worry. Yeah, yeah. Um, the only thing that's going to destroy the earth is the sun. That's the only thing that's going to destroy the earth. And that's in like a few billion years, right? Like, yeah. until, until we've got, then, we've got a while. <laughs> Right, it's just it's us. We're we're yeah. we're not playing this game very well. Um, so I just, I, it's something that I I was find a bit funny. It's like yeah, the F's going nowhere. It's us just going somewhere. Yeah. What's your take? I'm going to ask this question, and, and normally around quarter two, like when there's like 15 minutes, I go you know I sort of try and wrap things up. But I really need to have your take on this. So really quickly, what is your take on the emergence of life um, lengthening technologies? Like there's a lot of people talking about this and the idea that they think that really within the next decade we're, we're going to have the ability to to to, to make our, increase our life expect, expectancy substantially. Like, what's your take on that? Because there are there are some tie-ins with the the desire to explore space and an increasing life expectancy. Yeah. So, yeah, what's your take on that sort of stuff? I mean, you are playing with God to to an extent. I mean, we are we are playing with the fundamentals of nature and and you know, the, the laws of of biology here. Um, I I think yeah. In the long term, yes, this could this could work out pretty well. Um, but again, you know, the, the the people who first try anything are the ones. I mean, even when it comes to like mining, hey, we can mine for fuel. Um, then you have these huge pockets of methane where people die. Mm. You know, you have like, the first people to do this. Um, it probably won't work out well for. Um, with Neuralink, if you get the first Neuralink chip, if you can't remove it, maybe you can. There'll be future versions that are better. Mm. So, so what I'm saying is. Yes, this could happen, but I'd rather like when Microsoft, you know, you have like Microsoft, like like server Microsoft eight, they Windows seven, Windows eight, they completely skipped Windows nine because it didn't work, went to Windows ten. Yeah. Um or, or you get like your, your your phone and you have to have an update. You never update it straight away. Why? Because there's bugs in the update. You mm. wait a couple of weeks and you update your phone. 
the same thing will happen with this with all this longevity stuff is that the first few things yes they could do something but there's going to be fucking problems yeah. and these are bugs that are going to be inside you um so i say yes it's a good field it's really promising um I'm just going to sit on it until I'm like in my forties. Uh, I'll, I'll wait. I'll wait twenty, twenty-five years. See what's happening, what's going on, and mm. then I'll 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 in on that. I'm not going to be first in line. Uh, you're you're not the me. early adopter. You're not at the beginning of that adoption curve. No, then no, no. no. I, I, like I said, from Ice Age, I, I choose life. You know, <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah. Which yeah. honestly means not choosing life. Um, yeah, yeah. But yeah, I just it, it's the same with absolutely every single technology or innovation that's ever happened in the history of Earth. You at the beginning, there's a lot of failure. There's a high failure mm. rate at the beginning, and there's unintended consequences because it's a new field. Mm. Um, so I just I, I'm not what is just goes. Oh yeah, longevity. We're going to be able to live forever. I'm like, yeah. Well, you know, let's let's just wait till the first case has come out first. Because this isn't a slight inconvenience that your phone crashes. This is your your life. So it's a little you, you slightly, yes, so flat, slightly, slightly higher stakes. Yeah, 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 yeah. Although if you get uh, really off this, this episode. <laughs> yeah yeah for sure but um but no i just I, I needed to get your take on that and and like there's so many other things that we talked about that i, I could have talked about and, and we could continue to talk about for ages. one thing i love about about you and and you you even sort of you you've literally directly addressed it in a way when you're talking about how with the with the uh the guy out in the states that you wanted to debate him one of the things i love about you is that you clearly have a, a passion for 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 conversation right like myself mm -hmm. and and i think you and I, I could be making the wrong assumption here but i have a feeling that you you appreciate the importance of arguing right the importance yeah. of discourse and like actually disagreeing with people and 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 understanding different viewpoints and and the, the the yeah the value in that as i do like it's such a underrated skill to have i i believe to to amicably and 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 you know uh, very yeah politely argue with someone i think that's the art of the argument has died you know it, it it really yeah as people get especially as people get more more radicalized and and more extremist and, and as society starts to partition as it has been for you know the last you know, 10 15 years um but i'd say look richard Feynman said you know the greatest joy on earth is like, the acquisition of knowledge mm. um and it is when you love, i just i love learning new things i love finding yeah. out how stuff works and it's awesome but you can't get that by living in your own echo chamber absolutely you, you, you have to debate and then and a lot of people they don't want to ever be wrong um but if you're wrong because again it goes against your biological like like your biological nature of if you are wrong that means that it's something that you don't know and if you don't know something you have to question your own reality which puts you in danger mm. so that's why people don't actually like it when they're wrong because it goes it, it then puts them at risk of dying um yeah. not to be dramatic but this is true yeah um but, but not, but not in the that, modern but not in the modern world if anything it's it, it's a far more beneficial to to, to have it is way. But to get over that biological, um, like that hardwired fact of we don't mm. like to be wrong because it means we're, we're fallible, we're more easily, uh, but we're, we're not invincible. Yeah. Um, but I just, yeah, so if I'm wrong, I'm like, ah, okay, then cool. Well, I owe you the beer, but you've taught me something I'm going to be able to use next time. And you get right. to keep building on your domain of information. Um, and that's and also that the scientific just, approach is it's to have to have a, a a fairly good understanding of the way you believe something to be as it is now, but be open to new information to change that viewpoint. I mean, that is the scientific yeah. method to a degree. It's, you know, consi consistently look at new evidence, consistently look at the new data and adjust accordingly based on that. And the only way you can do that, like you said, is through through speaking with others or, or absorbing that information is the exact reason why I love doing these these 
discussions because if I learn something, I, I get to meet different yeah. people, hear different viewpoints. And and, and I, it's one of the best decisions I ever made doing this because I'm having an absolute blast doing it. But but I'm also getting that itch scratched, which, you know, just just concentrating on building a business, you know, nine to five every day yeah. and then, you know, sitting down with the wife and eating dinner as, as much as all those things are very rewarding. There's a, there's it's, a certain it's your itch I have. Them. Yeah, exactly. It's it's like I have an yeah. itch for stimulating conversation and for learning new things. And this scratches that every time. And it's wonderful. So so I thank like you it. for being part of my hobby. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, I, I, I'm, I'm, I'm all for it. Um, yeah, I've been on a, I was on a podcast again uh, a week ago for Innovate UK or two weeks ago, actually, I think. Yeah. Um, for Innovate UK, which was well, catapult, but they're working with them. A really good podcast. And I just I love yeah, everyone. They, they like some things that you say and they, they prefer some things you get to like develop on that and stuff and mm. then you kind of get quick intelligence and then you have to go okay actually i forgot the name of this i need to go and look that up again and you kind of yeah the pursuit of knowledge i think is something that um i actually like I say michael from 5017 he does kind of mention his book saying that um yeah we haven't innovated you know that far at all we've kind of stagnated in terms of innovation since you know, we went to the moon mm. um and i think people's thirst for development and innovation you know, has kind of died I and mean, even yeah. the space which was going on didn't understand the first thing about rocket science but they loved it yeah, yeah. and they had the public support and we don't have the public support for innovation anymore yeah um, yeah for, for dreaming big yeah in in, in being being comfortable being uncomfortable i think there's a problem with with us getting yeah. very comfortable because of lives for a lot of people in in the developed world at least is obviously yeah it's quite comfortable it's easy to just stay in that status well, quo right I, I say we've retired like in in the uk especially yeah. we, we've retired you know we, we don't want to push it want to try we, we're happy just being where we are now we've we've you know we conquered the world we've, we've completed it um and mm. and now they just there isn't that thirst for innovation and um but i think a lot of people can be pushed towards you know, having that first i mean you just mm. got to find something you're interested in yeah and that's you why know, space um, excites me so much because for me that is that is that next level of, of, of innovation you know and yeah. exploring that well look it's uh, let, let's we, we do have to start wrapping up a little bit so look uh, the way i like to end these things is um is is getting your thoughts on you know sort of speaking maybe directly to to those listening who are you know majority of are founders and entrepreneurs too like what um you know you're you're on the the, the race at the moment you've you've had some very successful experiences there you've talked about in the states and so on um and you know in your journey running uh running the business up to now and all your other endeavors so there's a lot to draw from there so what advice if any would you be able to give out to those listening um where, either in relation to running a business or starting a business or, or funding you've got a lot of yeah. different um areas there maybe you could you could give out some tips for I, 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 yeah, yeah. The I've got to come into five minutes. Um, <laughs> yeah, I was good. <laughs> so, so, numero uno, I would say, is just be prolific um, and give everyone five minutes of your time. Mm. Um, I think I told you two of my investors I met on two different train journeys, um, and you know, one of them was like a night train. Everyone's sleeping, and the train stopped. Uh, and this guy goes, "Are we not moving?" I was like, "Are you Scottish?" He went, "Ah, you went." There's a bar on the train. Should we use it? There's a bar on the fucking train. Like, why? Why not? And we did what two what two Scotsmen should do, and we we, we literally bled it dry. They become an investor, a global director. Um, um, you know, like, yeah. And then another one I met on a train. Um, Quizetti sat opposite him. Um, he thought I was talking to him when I was on the phone, and I just made a joke. But oh, you thought I was talking to you, didn't you? Uh, oh, also, always carry a four pack on the train. This is this is a key requirement. You have to be able to just crack one open and just pass it to them. And that that is actually well, this is how I got them. But between the two, I got like forty four grand, right? Yeah. Uh, in investment, and then two good advisors and, and the angels. Um, but yeah, I was like, hey, do you want a beer? 
Like, yeah, sure. And, and then That's really good advice. Always carry beer with you. <laughs> whenever, whenever, whenever you get in a train journey, like literally, yeah. always take a four pack. You you need it, um, and just give everyone five minutes. Within that five minutes, you kind of know if someone's worth your time or not. Yeah. Um, and and just just yeah, be prolific. It could be an investor, it could be an advisor, they could know someone. I met one of the consultants for the Dorchester collection. Uh, it's a really good hotels um on a train as well and um and also don't judge because he was like 78 years old and like, like white hair in like a tracksuit uh like jacket tracksuit bottoms and some like old like scuffy trainers he was a consultant for the dorchester um so and the way i got his attention was i always have my business cards on the train so mm. everyone could see like, like the business card and you got like your laptop sent and anyone could just see oh what's that that looks relevant everyone who is relevant be like oh what's this um so you put one up and then one on your name so they can see, okay, it's a company, ah, founder and CEO, he's the guy who, and sometimes you do get people actually ask. Um, mm. you know, my training almost at least every time I'd have at least one person who'd ask something. Mm. Um, that's number one. Um, two, actually, Ken um, told me this one. And he said um, he likes people that have, um, have, they have strong ideas that are weekly hell. Um, right. This is something that I do, I do, quite a lot is that you, know, you have to be passionate you have to be you have to believe that you are right you have to believe that you are correct but you have to have the the, the malleability to change your ideas yeah when confronted with as much with debate you have to know when you're wrong you have to know how to build um and he kind of said that and i i kind of realized that i too kind of do this mm. um that's another one you can't just believe i am right i am right i am right um and to it there was a guy called um um ivor who's got a really good uh, like hr platform measuring burnout um, and I told him, like, dude, give everyone five minutes of your time. Um, and literally the next week, the very next week, he came into the office. He was like, you and I've got to thank you for what you told me. So uh, I, went, I went to a bar and one of the guys both went to the same uh, booth at this bar. And he said, oh, do you mind if I, I sit with you? Would that be okay? And I was like, yeah, sure. Um, head of HR for PwC. Uh, oh, no, sorry, Deloitte, Deloitte, not PwC. Um, and so straight away, he was like, oh, well, you know, I'm building this startup. And he was like, well, okay, send it to me. We'll see what we can mm -hmm. do with you. And he into one of the directors at Deloitte because of that. Because I said, give everyone five minutes. You have no yeah. idea who you're talking to, you have no idea who you're walking amongst. I mean, isn't it like a like a study you walk you walk past like four psychopaths a year, like whenever you're out and about like so mm -hmm. you, you just have no idea who you're walking past. So you may walk past like an investor or uh there's a lot more investors and founders than there are psychopaths, right? So you're walking amongst a lot of people. So give everyone five minutes. Mm -hmm. Um and if you are fitted with new knowledge, like take that in and then spit it back out. Um, don't just double down as a lot of people do. Yeah, um, yeah. That's really yeah. good advice because the world is one huge networking event, right? <laughs> like, you know, with social creatures, right? Yeah, yeah, exactly. That's good advice. Really good advice. And I like it because, it, yeah, I mean, it, it's some of the best investments I've seen be made across any organizations with any founders I spoke to have been purely organic. Like, you know, just yep. a friend of a friend, bump them, bump, like you said, bump into some people on the train, like stuff like that, because those are real human connections. So it's not starting off. There isn't an imbalance of power in the in the interaction where it can happen quite a lot in very, you know, sort of well, uh, you know, very uh, traditionally structured investment slash founder founder yeah. um, interactions where the, it's a complete imbalance of power. There's, there's, you know, the, yeah. you know, so in a regular social interaction, you're just two people just having a chat, and things can come of that, and that is the best way for relationships to build, and 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 the best way to get to size each other up in a much more meaningful way. Yeah. Right? You know, there's no there's no bullshit there. It's just this is who I am. You know. And that's another one is be genuine. Um, mm -hmm. you know, like a lot of people, they put their barriers up, and I just, I, I'm not a fan. I am just unapologetically me. Um, yeah, likewise, 
and, <laughs> and this is, this is, when, when I was in America, it's kind of what I realized. A lot of people are just themselves. And mm. I, kind of, I was like, that is true freedom. If you're not putting up barriers of, you know, the, the how do you do? Oh, I'm okay. Thank you. How about you? It's just it, it's BS. Yeah. You yeah. Know, just, just be yourself. Um, Unless you're and, a dickhead, think, don't be yourself. <laughs> that's well, why you be yourself be that, yeah yeah that's true yeah 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 and, and the only way i suppose you could be educated to stop being a dickhead is if you are a dickhead and people call you out for being one so i guess you have to be yeah. yourself in order to learn not to be yourself yeah yeah exactly yeah yeah exactly well look awesome thank you so much we have to wrap it up because i do have to jump off and, and uh well and edit this video now because i have to, to, to take out awesome. two bits <laughs> but yeah, man, yeah it was really good seeing you but i'll see you um again soon in, in digifest um in september yeah. isn't it um so yeah i, I look forward september to that 22nd we'll have a couple of beers uh well it'll be non-alcoholic beer for me because i quit drinking because i'm i'm sensible like that i'm a very sensible grown-up now <laughs> i just i just don't i just i don't believe in quitting you know <laughs> the way i see it is the way i see it is that i drank enough to last me five lifetimes when i was younger i don't need that anymore and also just i'm getting too old man like the hangovers now yeah. just kill me off and i'm not productive for like a week you know yeah. so yeah we can talk about that next time i see you and my other reasons <laughs> why which i won't get into now but uh but yeah, man, really, really good to see awesome. you and, and catch up with you. Finally, managed to pin you down and really awesome. exciting to see what's going on with you know, everything that you're building. Um, yeah, I'm really excited for you and uh, I'll be cheering you on as always on the sidelines. Um, so yeah, right. thanks, thanks thank for you. Being it, here. Was, uh, it, was, it was a pleasure. <laughs> see you later. <laughs> Take care, bye. <laughs> thank you for watching and or listening. Please like, subscribe and join the conversation in the comments below.